Yo, what's up, guys and gals? Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Option Studios. You can check out their website, pullupchords.com. That is part of their brand. It is part of their name, pullupchords.com, or Option Studios has been in business for a really long time. They're a total of over 30 years of graphic design, advertising, branding, identity, you name it, they do it. Option Studios has done a lot of work for Gravity Lab Radio. Our logo, Monty, is actually the guy's name. I named him after, uh, if you've ever seen the show, oh man, what is that show with uh, Neil Patrick Harris in it? I can't think of it right now, but uh, it's on Netflix. Anyways, named him after him, Monty Montgomery, kind of a little evil scientist or, or uh, yeah, evil scientist guy. But Adam Buckner and Option Studios, they created Monty. They created uh, the Gravity Lab radio logo. They've done a lot of work for us besides. As a matter of fact, if you're a, a fan of the show, if you've been paying attention, you may or may not notice uh, last show, I was wearing a new GLR uh, hat. I do have only a couple of those left. I think I've got three left. Gravity Lab radio snapback camo hats, trucker hats, man, I can't say words right now, but those hats are available, they're 25 bucks a piece, we have a bunch of beanies available, TRC in gray and black, GLR in gray and black, we have those, and Option Studios did all of that work, hats, beanies, stickers, you name it, they've done it, and stickers, I want to throw that out there for one second, man, this weekend, first of all, I'm sorry if I get your name wrong, buddy, but I believe Alec is a fellow I met this weekend, a super nice guy, it, it was kind of weird, I was walking in the packing room at Spaceland Houston, and this dude heard my voice, I, I come to figure it out now, but heard my voice and looked up and perked up at me like, I need to talk to you. And uh, immediately introduced himself. Super, super nice guy. And Alec, again, I'm sorry if I do have your name wrong. And, and I think it's because he had recognized the voice from the show and said, hey, man, I'm a huge fan. He loves it. We make him laugh. And we really appreciate anytime any of you guys and gals reach out to us in person. Something, though, I threw down to Alec is like, hey, bro, I was on my way out. My wife was waiting for me. Sorry about that, brother. But I, uh, if you want any Gravity Lab Radio stickers, Option Studios had made those stickers for us as well. So if you're a fan of the show and you're looking for GLR stickers, they're about an inch and three quarter in height. They're perfect for uh, helmets. They're great for lockers. They're great wherever you want to put them. Let me know. Give me a holler. Give me a message. Uh, send me an email, monty at gravilabradio.com or any other way you know how to get a hold of me. Alec, I'm still talking to you, buddy. Let me know if you guys want stickers. Send me your mailing address in that request and we will ship out stickers to you guys. Uh, we ship them out all over the U.S. And yeah, we've actually shipped them out to other places as well. We've shipped them to uh, Estonia. I actually didn't even know where Estonia was until uh, one of our homies from Estonia reached out and said he skydives there. So you name it, we've tried to ship it there. Give me a holler. Let me know if you want any stickers. But till then, check out pullupcords.com. Go to Option Studios. They make some of the dopest, flyest jerseys. You've heard us talk about the jerseys day in and day out. Custom wind blades. If your group or your drop zone wants a wind blade, a lot of these wind blades being made are cheap and crappy looking. And, and I only mean that because they're one-sided. You look at a one-sided and it says something really cool like Gravity Lab Radio. And then you look at the other side and unless you have a mirror, you can't read it because it's backwards. Option Studios pays attention to those details. A lot of their banners are made double-sided. I think you can request a single-sided from them. I don't know. But you see those double-sided banners. They look better. You can read them either side no matter what happens. The durability of the uh, uh, wind blades they make are much better. The stickers I've gotten through Adam and Option Studios have been phenomenal. You name it, they do it. If you go to their products page just on their website, pull-up cords, jerseys, wind blades, banners, jump flags, trade shows. If you're going somewhere completely non-skydiving related and you want to represent your business and you need table covers for your boot, you need backdrops for your booth at a trade show. Adam Buckner and Option Studios does that as well. They've done it throughout the skydiving industry, 
PIA Symposium is one of the places you see a lot of his work, but you also see it in other businesses and other industries. Decal stickers, custom apparel, you name it, they do it. Even if you're just looking for some great graphic design for billboard, for print, for you name it, they do it. Check them out, pullupcords.com. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram, Option Studios, Adam Buckner. Uh, Give them a holler. Let him know what you're looking for. Tonight's guest is a good dude named Matthew Fry. I actually first met Matt at a PIA uh, this past February. Came across as a really nice, friendly, polite guy. Has visited his baseland a lot since, and man, really have gotten enjoy, uh, to enjoy my interactions with him. Matthew's been around the big way scene. He has been traveling as an organizer for camps and boogies. You name it, he's kind of been into it lately. Uh, he's joining us, just wrapping up a big way, uh, head down multi-plane camp. I think I said all those words in the right order here at Spaceland Houston, but he's going to join us here just in a little bit. So enjoy Matthew Fry. <laughs> I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? I tell my wife that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you tell her what? It comes in a really small package, oh, baby. Nothing to be Gentlemen, of. hey, how's it going? <laughs> it is going good. Mr. Matthew Fry, how are you doing, buddy? Doing wonderful today. Man, I want to start with one question. As I typed up the description to this, I've never realized, do you go by Matthew or Matt? Usually Matt, unless okay. you're my mother or a bill collector. Remember, keep that microphone yep. super close yeah, to your yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely Matt for sure. Okay, and it's so hard because today Facebook uses our proper names regularly. So yeah. you know, we go. I go. Let me go look it up on. Fa- oh man, that doesn't help me one bit. <laughs> so Matt Fry, how have you been, bud? Oh, doing great. Loving this winter, staying super busy, and so far so good. Man, I first met you actually just this year in, in February. I don't know if you remember our meeting. Uh, no, I'm trying PIA. to remember that. Oh, yeah that's, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I was running One Direction. Constantine was dragging you actually to the SSK booth yep. and uh, stopped us together and got actually, I think, about a five-minute interaction. And immediately, absolutely, my first thought was, why are you hanging out with Constantine? <laughs> yeah, you that, seem like... It's a really odd, <laughs> odd matchup because like you're humble and respectful <laughs> and polite <laughs> and Constantine is... Constantine. Is the opposite of most of those things. <laughs> I don't know. I like to surround myself with people I want to learn from and absorb from. And I think Constantine has a lot of excellent personality traits that like, I may not exemplify as much. I think you guys do balance each other really well in, uh, right. in the camps like, like you're running this weekend. I think it's just no matter how much you fuck up, Constantine's going to keep you looking good. That's the plan, right? <laughs> Love you, Constantine. Um, he, he does have a lot to offer. He does Absolutely. have a lot to give. It's like yeah. the pretty girl that keeps the ugly friends. Is that what <laughs> you're saying? <laughs> Constantine, you're the ugly girl. Congratulations. <laughs> no, it, it, you guys really do a nice job of complimenting each other, and, and it, it is that nice balance, that yin and that yang. And he, Constantine does have a decent skill set and, and stuff to share, and he's a smart... I hate saying these words. A smart guy. Well, as a prime example, you talked about PIA, and, um, you you know, I probably normally would not go to PIA. I don't work in the field very much, Mm -hmm. and I don't work for a manufacturer. Why would I pay money, fly to Dallas, and hang out? But Constantine, being kind of like the more spontaneous, impetuous, is like, Matt, you got to come. Just come. 24 hours PIA, come say hi to people, high five, shoot the shit, and then you go home. 
And lo and behold, I did. I met some awesome people. It was wonderful to meet more of my sponsors and just see what's happening in the industry. Um, the manufacturers, meeting other athletes. It was a really cool experience, albeit a short one, that I would not have done without like Constantine's push. <laughs> I'm your Constantine. So I want to ask... Uh, Gosh, I, 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 don't, I don't want you to say that ever again. I convinced Nick to do the same, come visit, hang out there. Although it didn't take much convincing for him because it was you know, a five-hour drive. Right. But I want to park right there. You went to PIA. It is an industry thing. It is, you know, it. I, we joke around as an industry circle jerk. I've, I've been going for a while and really the manufacturers go hang out, talk to each other, shoot the shit. We do see a lot of military. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of the rest of the industry, but you don't see as many fun jumpers as we would like to see right so a lot of fun jumpers just don't show up you did you did it for 24 hours yep did you notice a change of your relationship with some of your sponsors absolutely some of them i've never met in person we've just communicated online via email or a phone call um it was really nice to um go talk to them in person like that always builds a better relationship but it was really cool finding out finding out about what else they're doing um, not necessarily making just the canopy I jump or the AAD Cypress that I jump, but what other products do they make? Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool. It was really surprising how diverse some of the companies are, what they'd like to do, what they're messing with, uh, future plans, what they'd like to see from us. It was just really cool seeing another aspect of the sport that I haven't normally interacted with. Were you surprised at all by the size of the symposium and the number of companies that were there? Yeah, it was pretty massive. I was really surprised. Like, we have expos and conventions for everything everything else under the sun we'll travel to. I'm surprised there weren't more sport jumpers there, and I think it's a great experience for sure. I don't know what the percentage is. You, you might know, DJ, about what the percentage that's military at PIA. I don't know, but it's fairly large. It's a lot of them. It's fairly large, yeah. A lot of camouflage there. Yeah, I mean, if you know which, that's a nice looking hat, my friend. Oh, thank you. You too, sir. <laughs> we're wearing the same. We just got new camo hats for Gravity Lab. Dig it. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're throwing them out there. Um, no, it, it's such a large thing. I don't even, if you notice the LB booth, the LB Altimeters booth, mm-hmm. anything we had for advertising outside of our devices was all military tactical signs. Every sign we bought to PIA, as LB goes, was geared towards the military. And then if you look, you were at the SSK booth a lot, yep. but connected to them were Cypress and Airtech and how much of that was pushed to the military market. Right, absolutely. I think PIA and the symposium would drive themselves to sport jumpers so much more if we would show up. And one of the most interesting questions I heard this week or this, excuse me, this uh, February at PIA is one of the manufacturers asked me, how do you guys, LB Altimeters, get so many athletes to show up and participate? And really, the relationship with the LB athletes at PIA are very unique to, to that company. But you are also unique. Constantine is also unique because most sponsored athletes don't show up to those booths. And if we would show up as athletes, I, I actually used to show up and support Infinity for quite a while. They stopped showing up with a booth, so LMB asked, asked me to hop in with them. And the manufacturers, I mean, how much did Adam Schmucker love you during that moment? <laughs> it was great. It was yeah. wonderful to be there. They loved having yeah. you there. And, and it's great for a, you to represent the company. It's great for jumpers to come and go like, oh, my God, you're Matt Fry. I wanted to meet you. It's so awkward. I love this. Please, if you're hearing this, keep doing this. It's so awkward. People came up to me at PIA and go, hey, you're DJ. I want to meet you. You do great. Man, Nick, you met a guy named, I think it's Alec this weekend was in y'all's camp. Is that Uh sweet? Alec, I think he introduced himself to Mm -hmm. you possibly. I was walking through the packing room and this dude, 
I said something to somebody, and as soon as I just said, like, hey, whoever, this dude looked at me. Like, I had, is it like, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Hey, are you <laughs> DJ? And I'm kind of like, what the? And then people want to meet you, and it's the same. You do this organizing. You use big way. You show up, and you're an attraction to people. But now how much better do you represent your brand? Right, absolutely. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying to. Uh, and what was really nice about PIA, I thought, was um, not just showing up and going around to my sponsors and playing with the gear I already jumped, but checking out the other equipment and continuing to be an educated, um, not just jumper, but hopefully mentor. When someone asks me what I jump or why I jump it, mm-hmm. I can better explain my decisions and above and beyond just it's a financial decision. Um, so, for example, the newest trend is these impact-rated helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like my Cookie G4, but PIA was cool because everyone was exhibiting their new impact-rated helmets. So seeing how all these different manufacturers, how they engineered X and Y and Z, and there's differences, and it's kind of cool just seeing the different ingenuity and comparing and contrasting so I can provide a, I don't know, educated opinion on things. I would say an unbiased opinion. I try. Yeah. And you seem that way. You know, I've had somebody once accuse me. You seem to be more like me in this conversation said and done like, oh, DJ's just pimping that gear because he's a sponsored athlete. I'm like, "Uh, you kind of got it backwards. I went to them and chose them as a sponsor because I prefer their gear. I don't promote their gear because I'm sponsored. I'm sponsored because I promote their gear. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I have a full time job. I've bought my own gear for years and years and years. And I've identified what I want to jump. Um, and I like to represent these brands regardless. Um, and so some of them I've reached out to, and I would like to work with you on a more professional level. Uh, but even if we don't, like I still love your gear, and I'm still going to jump it, still recommend it. Yeah. It isn't cheap to go to PIA. you got to travel there. You've right. got to get a place to stay. It whatever. was really cheap just to get into the symposium, though, right? Dude, what, like, what was it? I don't uh, remember. I- I think it was like $10 or yeah. $7 or something ridiculous. Yeah, If you're doing the full day pass to do the seminars, it's like 100 bucks. And straight up, if you've not done the seminars, do them. They're worth it. This is the first PIA that I attended. I attended like two seminars. I attended two seminars because I presented one. So I attended the seminar in front of me so I could already be in the room. Um, th- other than that, I didn't go. I had a lot of work going on. Right. But man, the thing I miss the most this year, go to the seminars. They're super worth it. Mm-hmm. But 10 bucks, it might even be 7 bucks again in the expo hall. And so many cool things to see, so many cool people to meet. And as a sponsored athlete, I'm willing to bet money you've gained more financially by being there than you spent going there. Sure. And I, at some point, quit going to PIA. A buddy of mine said, hey, you're going to be a PIA this year, manufacturer. No, man, just things are going on. I'm too busy. DJ, you need to show up. Like, bro, I I get you. I want to show up. It's a good time. He's like, DJ, you have a great relationship with all of us. You're not going to change your relationship with us by not showing up, but you will help continue your relationship by coming. And I was like, man, you know, it makes sense. And I will, I do a lot of really weird, unique things in the sport. I have a lot of great opportunities. And guys and gals, if you want to be sponsored, if you are sponsored and you're not going to be in Cincinnati, oh, that breaks my heart. And what is it, 2021 is our next PIA? Mm-hmm. If you're not in Cincinnati checking out your sponsors, man, you're making a mistake. It is really worth it. You've been there. Yep. Would you do it again? Yes. Are yeah, you going I'm, to Cincinnati? I'm planning on 2021 for sure. Man, and as expensive as we say it might cost, hit up a buddy or two, split a hotel room, hit up a buddy or two, get an Airbnb, and it gets super affordable super quick. Yeah. I do not recommend staying at the hotel PIA is at. <laughs> Why do you laugh? <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it was a little pricey. I was staying a little further away. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, yeah, it can be a little pricey. Yeah. 
I got a room for a little bit at PIA just for various reasons. And my gosh, that room was... When you pull up to the valet, they grab your bags... They say we'll check you into your room and we'll give you your key your key for your room when we when we get to you. I'm like I'm, this is too much money. I can't. I need a motel six, right? That's my budget. <laughs> I really didn't mean to park on PIA at all. I just yeah. wanted to kind of since we were there yep. get there. It was indeed seven dollars a day. I found it on their website. Yeah, solid, super affordable, man. Super good time. And not every manufacturer releases new products there, but a lot of times new release of product is there. Uh, Javelin had released their Aura. Is that the wingsuit rig? Is it? Does, do you know the name of that? I think it's the Aura. Uh, I can look it up. Yeah, some path has their wingsuit rig. Uh, all sorts of manufacturers introduce new things there. So it is a really cool place to see some of the latest and greatest things. Aurora. Aurora. As in the Borealis. So anyways, let's get back to the real reason we have you here. Why are you in town? Uh, yeah, so uh, I was in town working with Constantine, hosting a uh, head down big way camp. Uh, we're discussing hopefully possibly doing a Texas state record later this year. Uh, but in the meantime, we just saw there's a lot of demand with Project 19 coming up, looking for more opportunities to kind of flex those big way muscles. And we wanted to put on a camp here and give folks an opportunity to come uh, uh, operate out of uh, multi-plane formations, uh, which doesn't happen very often. And uh, the turnout was resounding. It was excellent. Yeah, it it really doesn't, man. Doing a big way camp is one thing. Going from two planes. I only have probably five jumps out of multi-plane loads. And dude, A, it's 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 awesome. It's just stupid awesome. Absolutely. And B, it's whoa, it's you gotta get to that plane group over there. Yep. It's not as easy as you think it is at first. Right. And we tried a new format for this camp. Um I kind of see like a, a barrier. We we see some flyers who can do fourteen ways out of one plane pretty well. But then they hit a forty way. And it never builds beyond 28 or 30. It's just slightly too big. So we tried doing two groups of 20 so people could get that multi-plane experience without necessarily the uh, pressure of a 40-way or the crazy dive or crazy float of a 40-way. So just launching two 20-ways, you could still see what it's like coming out of a trail plane or a lead plane and approaching the formation from that radial. So just for a little clarity, mm-hmm. you've got 20 people per plane launching two Two formation loads, so two, t- ten in each plane. Correct. Yep. Boom! Now you got a twenty way. Correct. Another pass, ten on each plane, or or later on in the same Correct. pass, mm-hmm. ten on each plane. Another formation load. Exactly. Yeah. And how did that work for you guys? Uh, it worked really well, actually. We was, were really surprised. There was ample separation. Uh, the feedback we got was excellent. Um, it sounds like everyone really appreciated the opportunity. And as far as I know, that doesn't happen very often the opportunity to do multiple planes for a small size formation unless you have two caravans or two 206s or something of that nature. Yeah, We see a lot of different camps here in Houston. More particularly, we've seen some of the big way belly stuff, but we're seeing more and more of the free-flying angle stuff. And I agree, we don't see a lot of that. We see a lot of anything at Spaceland, right? Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen... It's a very unique and it's a very new approach doing these smaller, bigger ways. So one of my first questions comes, and you've kind of already addressed it, but I, I want people to think about it more. I launched two 10-ways from two planes. Now we're a 20-way, which means we're going to have higher break-off, longer radials, longer break-off. So we need a lot of airspace. Right. On the same pass, you're launching another 20-way, or are you taking a second pass? In this instance, we did the same pass. Nice. So we coordinated closely with the pilots, paid attention to the uppers, ground speed, uh, et cetera, et cetera, just to make sure safety was our first and 
main priority. And how did you manage group separation? Was it you asked the pilot to give you lights on and off, or did you guys manage it yourselves? We did it ourselves. So okay. we asked for a green light a little further prior, mm-hmm. uh, and we pretty much did 2.5 times the separation. Okay. Then we also utilized more vertical separation over horizontal separation. Okay. So in vertical, big ways, uh, we'll have multiple waves breaking off. But there's always the concern that what happens if someone in wave two catches up with wave one, uh, which happens a lot. Um, So we'll also introduce more vertical separation deployment altitudes to help compensate for that. I want to help some of our friends out. First of all, wave one, wave two, what do you mean by that? Right. So in a large formation, uh, we can't all break off at the same time. So we will designate waves. So the outer ring might break off at a higher altitude and deploy at a higher altitude. And then an inner ring will break off at a lower altitude and deploy at a lower altitude. And now uh, vertical pull, I think not completely unique to big ways. A lot of big ways, it has mm-hmm. been vertical. You guys pull it 2.5, you guys pull it 3, you guys pull right. it 3.5. Yep. It sounds like you're putting more vertical separation. Is that what you're saying? We, we strive to because we can sometimes see non-uniform tracking between the waves. So um, if you have a power tracker in the lower wave, they might out-track uh, someone who's slower in the first wave. So we just try to emphasize the vertical and, if we can, the horizontal as well. But for this event specifically, uh, we focus on the vertical so we wouldn't have groups overlapping on break-off. And I've, I've only done uh, big-way camps for belly. Mm-hmm. I would love to have done big-way camps for free-flying, but three-way is a big-way for me free-flying. Sure. Um, just a lack of staying current. I think I could get there. I right, just right. don't try hard. Absolutely. Um, in belly big way, we talk about, and I say big way, I've done nothing bigger than like a 30, 40 way. We talk about, hey, you're the outer ring. You track like your life depends on it. You track 1,000%. <clears throat> Second wave, you track 90%. Third mm-hmm. wave, you track a little. Are you guys saying that same thing or you're promoting the same ideas? Sometimes. I think it's kind of a case-by-case basis, um, depending on the design, the size of the waves, what our altitudes will be. Um, I think in a if we were one single formation, it's much more track as hard as you can. In this case, the breakoff wave, because we're only a 20-way, the first wave is only 9, 10 people. So it's not that large. And so you don't have to actually track that hard as long as you're on a, a healthy radial from the center of the formation. One of the things... Um Sorry, I'm going to bounce all around these yeah, big-way yeah. questions. But one of the things I found in a, in a recent big-way camp, I actually did a... Uh, smaller big way camp recently this summer and what it was it was geared more to your newer jumpers and uh, i don't know if you've met raul who jumps out here sometimes he does billy 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 big way camps (laughs) belly big way camps and he's like man i can expose you to a 40 way without putting you on a 40 way and my thought process was you're super smart i believe you but how the fuck are you telling me this truthfully and his thought was super easy. We take you, and in, in this case, I forget the numbers we equated it to, but we were doing like a 16-way, except we only built one quadrant of a 16-way. So we all had to break off in that quadrant. So he gave us that exposure. Now, I will say in that process, in the center and the base of that formation, there were a couple weaker links. And so he said, hey, I'm going to have you guys practice breaking off 180 from center, so you're going to separate the formation so you don't get confused with this congestion. So he was able to mix some of that awareness levels, and that was neat. Have you guys tried that quadrant flying to yeah, build so big waves? It's actually interesting that you mentioned that because that specific drill with breakoff was something we discussed earlier this weekend. Uh, as we're working with newer head-down big wave flyers, their, their next question is always like, how do I practice this? 
oh man, how can I practice break off like when all I do is tunnel fly uh, or we only do four ways. Um, and so our discussion was like, if you're doing a four or six way, rather than completely breaking off in the center of the formation, we're all breaking off that direction and finding our own thin radial so we get used to tracking next to each other on break off mm-hmm. and having a little bit of canopy proximity safely on that deployment. So we can just start building that, that exposure so we don't freak out as much when we see it on a big way. Um, then as for free fall, building a whole sector, I think uh, one of the world record tryouts or warm-ups, um, 2015, we would practice that as well. Um, like if we only have one plane, like a Skyvan or a Sherpa, we'll launch a base and then build all the pods in one direction behind it. So rather than building a full formation, we treat it as if it was a sector okay. or one wing of the full formation. Man, you really just took the whole break off to, to in my opinion, what I cons- what I talked about to a whole other level. Because we talked about how we can practice this on smaller groups. Skydive's mm-hmm. like 16 ways. But, man, I can do that on a four-way. Yep. I mean, it, duh. Now Absolutely. that you tell me, I'm kind of like, what? Right. Duh, right? Yeah. It's so much smarter. I love the fact that you're bringing this knowledge and information to the group. Not only the group uh, who you worked with this week, mm-hmm. but obviously our goal with this podcast is to share. Hi, Alec. How you doing? It was. I, I, I get tickled, man. I, I told him it's really weird that you come up and introduce yourself to me, but please, guys, keep doing that. Um, Alec, I told you, please send me a message, and I will ship you stickers. Guys and gals, if you want Gravity Lab radio stickers, we bought shitloads of them. I will ship them to you for free anywhere in the world. Any, I, I really don't care. We ship them all over the place all the time. So just send me an email. Send me a message. Tell me your emailing address, and we'll send you some stickers. Alec, I know you say you listen all the time, so please remember, I'd be happy to send you those. Um. It's super cool you're sharing these ideas with these groups. What else with these smaller groups do you feel like you're accomplishing to build the bigger ways? Man, it's just more exposure, uh, if nothing else, to a different style. Um, I think different organizers different organizers in different big ways just have different styles. They fly differently. They're walked differently. They're discussed differently. And it's nice having that exposure to different opinions or different methodologies so that when you apply it to a record where you only have 15 attempts to get it right, you're not totally surprised and taken by storm. Um, so I just want, really want to expose folks to it. Um, I can't tell you how many state, national, or world records I've gone to where I have kind of a junior friend there, and they're, they got this invite to a record. They're pumped. And then all of a sudden, they're like, I'm a pod closer. I've never been a pod closer before. It's time to perform, and I've never, ever, ever tried this. Um, and so they're, this is their first time and usually they do really well, but we could practice that. So at least you're not totally surprised or nervous or Mm -hmm. overamped. It really brings up a good topic. I, I, that big way camp I was at, somebody immediately said, I'm great at this position. So put me here. They were great at, I I forget what it is, but let's say first finger. I'm great at first finger. So that's where they wanted to be in that camp. What's your take on that? Yeah, so if it's a camp, you're trying to learn and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of want to be exposed to these other positions. Yeah. If it's a record, um, yeah, we want you in your strength. And of course, this is just my view. Everyone has different takes. But like a three-day camp this weekend, I asked people to either be in the strongest slot or I tried to put them in what I thought would be their strongest slot, start strong. Then after that, I wanted them to get weird, go to somewhere new, (laughs) somewhere they're uncomfortable with, where you're going to mess it up. And it's cool. And we talked about even if you mess it up, all the people behind you, there's stuff they can work on. 
So don't feel like you're wrecking this for 20 people, but instead like everyone has their own stuff to work on. And throughout the weekend, hopefully we're easing closer to your stronger slot. And the goal for today had weather not intervened Mm because you wanted people to now go back to your strength and like, let's see if we can build this. Let's treat today like it's a record day and we want to build this entire formation, whatever it takes. Um, But man, I tell you what, all weekend long, folks have been coming up to me and saying like, maybe I am better at my left hand. (laughs) Maybe I am better diving and floating. Um, So already second guessing what they thought was their strong slot. Um, So it just shows like maybe they just need to be exposed to a few more things and they can make that determination. Or maybe they can determine like, I don't have a strong slot because I can do all of them. I, uh, I, first of all, you say everybody has a different theory, a different thought on this. And I've actually not spoken to many, if any, organizers who haven't echoed your sentiment as far as, man, if it's a camp, get weird. I've never heard it said that way. I love yeah. that. But if it's a record, then fly your strong slot. So I, I definitely agree with you there. But I love the idea that let's start this camp in your strong slot. Then let's get weird. Let's move someplace you're not used to. And really, I find in coaching, most people who are doing their best thing don't think too hard because you don't have to. Right. And then when you're trying something new, weird, or harder for yourself, more difficult, you tend to think more, you tend to invest more. And commonly, especially, I know this is very true with me, things I'm weaker at, I tend to become better at than things I'm naturally good at. Right. I have to focus. I have to work hard. Right. Absolutely. Um, Even just turning in the air, I have my strong direction, my weak direction. And my weak direction, I have to think about. And freakishly, it tends to go better <laughs> when I'm forced to do it. For me, it's uh, I'll, I'll, I'll equate it to canopy and canopy yeah. flight. My left hand at 270 is so natural, so thought, so carefree. It's just such a I've done it thousands of times. My right hand it turns whether 270, 450, it doesn't matter. I it's I don't do it often, so I'm very thoughtful. I'm very intent. Right. I know my cadence. I know my rhythm. I'm timing everything out. And man. I come out of those right-handed turns almost freaked out, like, oh, my God, what the heck? That was so awesome. Right. So y- you have to think more. And what's wrong with thinking more? Absolutely. The other benefit to having folks start with their, their most comfortable or strongest slot is um, I think a quarter of our camp. Uh, Friday was their first time ever jumping at Spaceland. Yeah. So their you know, new drop zone, first multi-plane formation load, there's pressure, um, there's a lot of other stuff they're worried about. So if we can ease some of those nerves right out the gate, once they're comfortable with that component, we can start to introduce new things. I really love watching the way you guys started. I, I knew this weekend we had a multi-plane big way event. I actually knew it. That people come up to me all the time. When's Spaceland doing this? I don't know. When's Space? I, I don't know. Man. We, have, we do so many things at Spaceland. It's such a great place to call home. I can't tell you what's going on tomorrow. The only reason I knew what weekend this <laughs> was life. was, oh, dude, it's a wonderful <laughs> life, man. There, uh, a friend of mine, Paula, Paula is the office manager in Dallas, uh-huh. made a rant on Facebook one day, and in the rant, she ended it with like, you know, whatever. Somebody tried to steal from the DZ. Somebody was a douchebag. Okay, we don't act this way. We don't behave this way. We are skydivers. We are loyal. We are respectful. We are Spaceland strong. Was her comment. And you've seen the hashtag Spaceland Strong all over the place. Mm -hmm. She thought we were making fun of her when we first started quoting it. And then she realized, no, we love it. We're Spaceland Strong. Right. But, Nick, what's the other version of that hashtag? Spaceland Spoiled. Yeah, dude. You name it. We got it. We are such a spoiled group of motherfuckers. 
The only reason I knew what was going on this weekend is because you're on my calendar. I yeah. knew we had you. And yeah. it was super cool. People say, how's this big way camp going to go? I'm like, pretty cool. What do you mean? Like, I don't know. The organizer's Matthew Fry. He's a nice guy. That's, <laughs> at that point, I didn't know if to call you Matt or Matthew. Sure. Um, so I didn't know what you guys were going to do. And then I heard day one. Yeah, we're doing a bunch of smaller big ways. Immediately, I understood. I think P3, mm-hmm. and Brian Menard actually mentioned it. P3 also starts their camps commonly that way they as do. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me make sure I'm reading that right. Uh, yes, they, they do. Sorry. I keep some notes here next to me. Sure. This is, I'm not uh-huh. just talking to my wife. <laughs> um, now I lost track of where I'm at. Um, but it, it was cool to see you guys start that way. At what point did you shift from these smaller groups to larger groups? Well, this weekend we stayed smaller groups. Um, we were on the fence throughout. Like The goal is to get to 40 ways. But we really want to keep it productive for as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think today, once we eased everyone toward their strong slots, we would have gotten toward 240 ways at that point. Um, but when everyone's in their weak slots, they're messing up, they're exiting wrong, they're corking out, um, that's fine. Like We want you to me- mess up in this small, safe environment. So the goal today was to get to 40 ways, but weather intervened. So if I interpret this right, if mm-hmm. I read into this right, there were some struggles by several people. That's the purpose of a camp is yep. to find these struggles. Right. So yesterday, people had difficult times. Mm-hmm. They were having fun learning, though. But yesterday was not as successful as a lot of people wanted it to be for themselves. Is that a true statement? Uh, I think so. But I think it was eye-opening for a lot of folks, and I think it was still constructive. Like, that's the goal. And that's what I want to point out right there is I had no clue yesterday was a struggle for people. I see tons of big way camps and skills camps and shit go on here. And when the day doesn't go the way people want, you see it. You know what I mean? You see people like, oh, man, they're kind of sad. They walk around like somebody killed their dog and kicked their cat. And yesterday, I thought you guys had the killer day, man, because all I saw were smiles, everybody excited, everybody seemed to have a stellar day. And I think that reflects highly on one of the organizers, you, not Constantine, (laughs) and the skills (laughs) in the camp you put together and the learning process. Well, it's, uh, you know, we're still having a great day, but it's work, right? We're training. We are a team, and we just had a long day team training. We had successes. We had failures. Mostly, we're just tired. But we're still hanging out with our friends, jumping out of planes. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you've ever had a hard day team training, it's very similar, that feeling of <clears throat> success, failure, and exhaustion at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. I love it, man. I just, in, at the end of this show, I would probably say something that I'll say now. And what it is, is I, I, I spy and watch on people's camps all the time. It's just <laughs> fun to watch. It's fun to learn. It's fun <clears throat> to listen. Mm-hmm. And back to it yesterday, I had no clue you guys were having struggles. I was busy doing a canopy course, but I could see, see and feel the vibe. And to see how positive and upbeat everybody was despite their struggles, I think really shows how good of a camp that you guys are putting on. And I really, I've seen you do a couple things now, and I'd highly recommend going to a camp that, that Matthew Fry and maybe Constantine is hosting <laughs> and, and conducting. Because here people had... In, other, in, in another way to say it, some people had a shitty day yesterday, but they had a blast learning and growing. That speaks volumes of the teachers and the trainers. It really does. Yeah, well, thank you much. Um, but mostly we were discussing earlier about plagiarism and, and why reinvent the wheel. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to pay attention to Sarah Curtis, Amy, J. Russ, Steph, Rick Nelson, all the organizers I've jumped with over the years. And even now, two weeks ago, I was at Project 19 hanging out trying to watch the organizers. I want to see what they do and like how people react and how it helps. And I want to learn from other 
you know, thought process is. If you ain't stealing, you ain't trying. That's right. Exactly. And I really want to use that <laughs> as to help people see your journey because so many people right now are sitting here and going, I want to be on the next head down big way. I want to be on the Nexus, next <coughs> Texas state record or whatever it is. And once upon a time, you sat in that same place. Absolutely. Let's kind of see where your journey was. Uh, partially, I like people to get to know your struggles and your problems more. But B, man, if you want to become successful, obviously you're in a good place. This might be a path to emulate. So when did you start jumping? Yeah, I started jumping around 2008 okay. at uh, West Point Skydiving Adventures and Skydive Orange in uh, Virginia, uh, which is in the Mid-Atlantic area. And at the time, there were pretty much two free flyers <laughs> active. Uh, myself and Extreme Wade, um, we started traveling to boogies, looking for serious organizers, coming out to Eloy. Um, and then I went to a world record tryout camp at Skydive Sebastian uh, for my thousandth jump. It was the first time on anything more than a head down 10 way, maybe. And it just opened my eyes to like an organized big way. Who ran that camp? That was uh, Luis Pernetto, Rook Nelson, uh, maybe one or two other folks helped. So a couple guys who might know what they're doing. They know a little bit, yeah. And what was your experience? <laughs> like, first of all, as you showed up with a thousand jumps, <laughs> how was your skill set for that camp? I was the low man on the totem pole. I was in the C group, uh, you know, the probably the most inexperienced group. If I touched somebody, I was stoked. If somebody got a picture of me touching somebody, I was double stoked. And really, it was just eye-opening. I've never seen... Uh, until then, so many talented free flyers in one place at one time and it just continued to be just, wait, we can do this? This is a thing? Uh, it's just really new to me. So let's measure success temporarily because I don't think this okay. is a good measure of success. Yeah. Let's measure success as me building my point on the formation. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that first camp, you weren't very successful based off of that. The that, first camp there? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. But based off other metrics, would you say you were successful in that camp? Oh, man, it totally inspired me. It was uh, it was at that point in skydiving where I was kind of done with boogies and zoo dives. And I wanted to get better, but I didn't really know where or how or what resources to go to. Um, tunnels weren't as abundant. If I wanted to go to one, I had to drive six hours to Rayford, which was cool, but really pricey, especially if I'm flying by myself. But then I started meeting all these awesome folks, started networking, and just finding other people in the same situation as me. And um, I wasn't there to try out for the world record. I was there because I heard there would be free flyers. And I was just camps, fine, any and all camps. I just want to learn and absorb. And uh, it really opened my eyes to the possibilities. So I promptly signed up to go to the next camp in March, back in Sebastian, and just signed up for as many as possible. I love something you just said that I don't hear often enough. You signed up for a world record big way camp is what you technically signed up for. Right. And so many people who do sign up with the thought and aspiration of I'm going on a world record big way camp. You said, no, I'm going to a big way camp. It just happens to also be world record. You were realistic with your goals in that. Yeah, it, it was not even a, a concept in my mind. I didn't know anything about big ways. I didn't know anything about head down formation, skydiving. Nothing at all. But there just weren't camps anywhere. There were no free fly camps or head down camps that I was aware of. And maybe they were happening and I just wasn't in the right cycle or circle Mm -hmm. to find out about it, which continues to be a challenge. Like several folks this weekend, like, how can I find out about all these events you just talked about? And unless you know the right people on Facebook, you don't know. Um, There are some folks in this camp who rarely leave Houston. 
So they don't know the organizers in Eloy or Paris or Sebastian or anywhere else. Um, so they don't get the Facebook notifications until it's after it's already happened. And they just see a cool video. Or like, it's full. It. Or it's full. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so I love, uh, and really my goal wasn't to point this out. I love the fact that you do. But one of the big purposes of these camps is networking. Right. N- number one, going to them is expensive. You said, I can now share rooms. I can share accommodations. I can share rooms. So there's so many better ways to get around. Yep. I actually see people show up to the camps here and be super lonely because they don't know anybody and everybody's going out to dinner and eventually they join the group. But the first right. night or two, they're like, oh, I'm bored. Right. Man, go to these camps because very quickly, you get invited along. Very quickly, people notice, why weren't you at dinner tonight? Yeah. Then oh, why yeah. aren't we Facebook friends? Then why aren't you at Eloy at this camp? I'm a huge advocate for Spaceland. It is my home. And, and it's easy to be a Spacelander and not go anywhere else because guys like you, guys like Luis Prinetto, all these great folks come to us. We've had the courtesies here. It, it's, why do we need to leave? Because you get that greater and that better exposure. <clears throat> you get more networking. There are people you'll never see here. But I want to go back to your first Big Way camp. Mm-hmm. When you left, were you able to consistently dock on that formation? No. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so, yeah. I was no. hopeful that was no, your no, answer. No, no, no. No, if I was given the right exit position, I was fortunate enough to exit correctly, and everything was perfectly and pristinely presented to me, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And these were 14 ways. <clears throat> and so I was thrilled to be doing that. And it's crazy, because that was a 1,000 jumps, a chunk of tunnel time, and now folks are coming up to me on 40 ways, and they have 400 jumps. Like, man, why can't I just be as fast as you or so-and-so? I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I, I don't want to talk about it right now. Get your D license at least, like something. I want to <coughs> take a break. It's br- wonderful, that being said. I want to take a break in the conversation. We'll come back to this point. Yeah. But I want to fast forward. What's okay. the largest formation you've been on head down? Uh, we attempted a 200-way in mm-hmm. 2018. You would have to count to see how many we built. Okay. Um, let's say 180-ish. So you've been on a 200-way head down. Correct. I couldn't dock on a 14-way a few years ago. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest head-up formation you've been on? Uh, 84 successful. And that was the world record we just had in correct. Chicago, correct? Correct. So after your first camp, you sucked. Yep. I, let's just call a spade yep. a spade. Uh-huh. And now you're sitting here with world records in front of me. Yes. You're sitting here with a national medal. Yes. Dude, that was a dope routine, you <laughs> and Katie. You, we're, we're gonna yeah. get to you and Katie in okay. a minute, dude. I love Polaris, right? <laughs> yes. Dude, I had so much fun watching y'all's routine. And I don't know if you saw the picture I posted of you and Katie head to head. Yeah. That is one of my favorite Thank shots you so for much. sure, dude. Um, so you've done all these things, but you sucked at the beginning. Yep. So if you leave your first big way camp and you suck, <clears throat> mm, man, you're in good company. Because Matthew Fry, you sucked. Yeah. You couldn't do it. Yeah. Now, how many camps did it take you before you were able to succe- successfully build a 20-way? Uh, I think at the end of my second head down camp, I did. I left the first one. I was inspired. I found like locals and started driving to Rayford every weekend and figuring out, even though there's only seven or eight people in the whole mid-Atlantic who can fly head down, what can we do to start working some skill sets? Like, I can't sting on a base yet. Well, damn it, launch a two-way base, and I'm going to practice diving or floating, and I'm going to get that dock. Um, So I spent a lot of time in small ways trying to develop some of the skills I needed for the next camps. And how many jumps between that first camp and the second camp? Oh, maybe 50, 60. Okay, so actually pretty quick progression in that Mm -hmm. point. But 50 to 60, you said very focused skydives. Yep, yeah, I stopped... uh, 
doing like huck jams or zoo dives. Or if I did, I kind of provided some guidance on like, what if we dot, 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 selfishly, it will help me develop this skill. Like if they just want to screw around, great. But hey, do you guys mind if I leave two seconds early and try and float up to you um, or dive after you or whatever skill set I want to try and do? I want to be careful with that last bit of advice. And first of all, I want to use it if I'm a jumper. I really like what you just said. If you're out there and you're skydiving with your homies, don't be afraid to say, can I emulate a diver? Can I emulate a floater? Can I <clears> use these positions? But make sure it's the right setting. Right. You absolutely. know, Please. if you're going to waste everybody's skydive to pull off that move, maybe not the right time or right place. Right. It's, it's so common, I, I thought at the time, where here we are, you know, on a 20 minute call, eight of us like, so what do you want to do? And someone says, I don't know, let's just get out and have fun. And they don't really need someone experienced. They just need someone with an idea or someone who will just kind of step into that role. And so, well, what if we do X? I don't know. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. But I think a lot of folks just want someone to make that decision because we're here having fun. We don't want to like decide, take responsibility if it doesn't work. We just want to be told what to do frequently. I do. I like to be told what to do. Mm. I want to be organized. How many skydivers come from a professional world, whether it's a manual professional labor job or it doesn't matter, any version, yeah. and in their job, they're always in charge. They're always working. Most people come to the drop zone on a weekend and don't want to give a fuck. They want to be told what to do. Right. Their job is to tell people what to do. So uh, Logan Snoddy, have you met him? Do you know who Absolutely. he's sweet? Yeah. I think he's a perfect example. He is a natural leader, so it works out super good for mm -hmm. him. And he's the first kid who would stand up to his group, and not stand up, speak up to his group and say, well, guys, let's try this. Be careful, guys and gals, if you're out there emulating Logan and Matt at this point and leading the group. Make sure you're giving good information. Make sure you're giving good ideas. And be open that your ideas might be wrong. But at the same time, don't be afraid to start talking to your buddies and planning something. You don't have to plan the best version to learn something from it. Right. And it also, it kind of like sparks the conversation too. Like as soon as you come up with an idea, guaranteed three assholes will be like, that's a bad idea. But cool. What do you think we should do? Like let's kind of group think it. And all of a sudden your zoo dive now becomes like a planned skydive where we're going to work on something. Um but yeah, to your earlier question between camps, like I wanted to work skill sets. They were focused, they were training, and I just wanted to get better at this. Again, not necessarily with the goal of a world record, but just to be now on the cooler skydives with the bigger groups and the more talented flyers. I want to just take that conversation from uh, to long-term versus short-term goals. You've got to have a long-term goal. I, I met a guy named Nigel once upon a time as a student. He had like maybe three mm -hmm. or four student jumps. And his instructor, who should be, uh, who should, shall rename nameless, I'll call him Hank. It was Hank. Uh, brought me up to the student and said, "Hey, this." And I don't think it was Hank. I'm teasing him. This student Nigel wants to be an instructor one day. Tell him what you think of that, bro. When I was a student, I wanted to be an instructor. And today, this is my qualifications as instructors. I reached the highest rank, dude. I think that's an awesome goal. That being said, let's have some good short-term goals. Let's focus on graduating this jump. Let's focus on this license. Let's focus. And, dude, as we move along, let me help guide you along the way. Number one, if you're shooting down somebody's long-term goal, you're an asshole. Mm -hmm. I want to be on a big way with Matt Fry. Awesome. I want to fucking beat Kurt Bartholomew in a, bit, in a swoop contest. Awesome. I don't care how many jumps you have. That's your goal. Awesome. But you said it. I'm focusing on this one short-term goal. 
if you don't focus on making that one better step, would you have ever gotten to where you're at today? Definitely not. Yeah, man. It is so much better. The thing that you keep saying over and over again, though, is I abandon zoo dives and other versions of those words. Yeah. First of all, let's define zoo dive. How would you define it? I think generally when we go on a skydive and there's no plan, okay. um, just conceptually speaking. And there's something to be said about, okay, let's just get, get out of the plane, let's rip, and just relax, you know, knees in the breeze. Yeah. And that's cool, but I just don't want to do that every skydive. So I think of two types of zoo dives. One of them is, is mm-hmm. a no-plan skydive, and sometimes a no-plan jam is super awesome. Right. Nick, what's one of your favorite skydives in the world? Man, two-way no-plan with some, I mean... With so the right person. With the right person, I think. And I think that's a big difference with... Go, like I'll still get taken out on a zoo dive once a year where it's like, it's been bad weather for a while. There's a group of people with a lower skill set that they've put this group together. Oh, man, you should come with us. You should come with us. You should come with us. And all my instincts say, nah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> but it's like we haven't jumped for a few days. The weather's nice. These people are all eager. So it's like, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's go do this jump. So we plan something that's totally outside of everyone's skill set. And then five seconds out the door, it's totally gone to shit. You got five different levels. You don't know where everyone is. And then you open your parachute and cross your fingers. Right. And so like, so first off, you've already developed that skill set. Oh, yeah. You asked me about the the two, the two, you can do a no plan. you, You think about something you want to do with your body and you can already do it. We already have enough planned skydives that go to shit, and now it's a zoo dive. So we get our zoo dive. But let's talk to like the new free flyers. Like, hey, I'm working on my head up skydive, and we're just going to do a two-way, me and my buddy. Hey, let's just go out and slap hands. Let's just go out, and we're trying to practice, but we're mostly just kind of like oscillating up and down, zinging back and forth. Why not just add a baby plan, like right hand, left hand, 360? So you actually have like, a clear-cut goal, intention, and now you're trying to specifically control your body rather than just hurl yourselves at each other and just narrowly miss. And then all of a sudden, you start getting this feedback like, oh, I went for my right hand and I slipped backwards. Why? Why did I go backwards and I threw out my right hand? Hey, do you have GoPro? Like, let's see what I did. And all of a sudden, as, as soon as you have like a slight plan, you can learn from it where it worked and didn't work. So it's still the same skydive, but with just a little bit more of an intention. Man, I, I remember as a young free flyer doing all those, let's just go fly together and be close together. Yeah. And then for me, actually, it turned into even more simple of a plan than what you just said. Let's get a left-handed dock. Yeah. One point. We actually planned one point, and what it was is let my left, your right hand. So an open round, right? Or let's get a foot to hand or whatever that one point was. And suddenly, we had more productive skydives. And as fun as those no-plan zoo loads were, the first time we landed from a sloppy, sloppy, sloppy two-way sit jump but got the dock we planned on, it was probably one of the more fun celebrated skydives I'd been on in a long time. Yeah, it's stoked. As soon as you get that grip, all of a sudden, both your eyes light up, your mouth is open, you're like, yeah! And then you lose it (laughs) because you're just so excited. (laughs) And the same thing when you're head down. And aspiring to work those skill sets, like first time you go from a flower grip to a round and you hold it, and they're doing it with three people or four people, um, it, you know, just adding that little bit of intention. It's like doing yoga. They start their practice, like set your intention for the day. It sounds lame, but it, it kind of makes a difference, right? 
makes a huge difference, man. Yeah. And I, I want to, I, I have to do this. You pointed out when you land, say, hey, do you have a GoPro? What free flyer isn't jumping out with a GoPro at exactly, this point, right? Yeah. So your homies you can learn from. How many free flyers does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, 20. Yeah. One to screw it in, 19 <laughs> to video it. Sounds about <laughs> right. Say yeah. it. And it used to be yeah. really rare because I remember the... Remember the big cameras before GoPros? Oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And even then, all free flyers wore a big camera. Mm-hmm. Today, you even see the belly flyers wearing GoPros. So yep. everybody's wearing them. So go out without a plan. You might learn something. You might. I'm not going to say you can't. Yeah, and I did hundreds of jumps like that. So there's something to be said. But at some point, you hit that level where you're just I'm kind of over it. But at 1,000 jumps, you can dock on a 14-way. Correct. 50 jumps later, 60 jumps later, you could dock on a 20-way. Yep. Man, what was the difference between the first thousand and the last 50 jumps we just said? Yeah, just mostly my attitude and my focus. Yeah. So first of all, guys, kind of what we're doing right now is talking about Matt's journey. If you're going out there and you're going to a camp and you walk away unsuccessful, you probably walked away successful. In your case, you walked away knowing what you could work on. Isn't that the goal of a camp? Absolutely. And then the other goal of the camp is knowing knowing how to work on it. At the end of this camp, what kind of assignments did you give people? What kind of things did you tell people? Yeah, so we we talked about um, group stuff to work on, different ways you can work on skill sets in the tunnel, in the drop zone. And then after we're done debriefing, inevitably, I talked to some individuals. Like They come up and ask, like, what can I do? Or what did you see? Or what kind of takeaways can I have? Um, and I would talk about that and give them personal suggestions and drills to work on. Um, we also talked about like what to expect. A lot of um, participants this weekend are trying out for the Project 19. This is what you might expect at a world record tryout. There are several participants who want to be on the next 200 way whenever it may happen. This is what you can do leading up to it. This is what you can probably expect. Granted, things are different depending who's running it and the style and format, but we're looking for more of that team attitude and um, I'll just try to give general advice. And then also discussing what they could do like talking about sequential records and things to aspire toward, goals and VFS teams and, you know, don't try to have a goal while you're training or something you're training for. I want to remember, Nick, help me out with this, that I want to come back to what advice would you give? You, you just mentioned generically people ask these questions. I want to come back to those because I want to journey through your, your, sure. your, I want to take a journey with you first and then at the end say it. You've done a couple camps. Back to it, the biggest difference now is you're focused on skill set. Right. Where do you go after that second big way camp? What's your next accomplishment? Um, like kind of just what, what to aim for after you've done a couple No, of yours. What was oh, yours? Oh, mine. Yeah. So after the second big way camp, um, that was in March, and there weren't going to be any more that I could attend until June before the world record in July. Um, so what I did what, was... What year is this, if you don't mind my this answer? Is, uh, 2012. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Just trying to yeah. keep, keep a timeline here. So I tried paying attention to, like, throughout the boogies I attended, I kind of found organizers that I thought had more organized skydives, like more successful, more challenging, especially on head down big ways. So I looked for stuff like Carolina Fest, where we would do... Uh, all of a sudden, I was on the 21-way state record, I think. Uh, with Luis and Ryan Reesberg and Bones was down there. And I'm like, man, you guys put together some some more technical, complex skydives. Um, oddly enough, I think that might be the boogie I met Constantine at. 
the we beginning are, of the end. So we're, we're, we're slowly like uncovering archaeological photos and realizing, wait, is that you? And three people over, is that you? And so we're still trying to figure out where the hell we met. Um, it's a little awkward. You've tried your best to forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would try and find these organizers or boogie events where I thought there would be more disciplined opportunities to try and practice these skill sets. So less uh, raft dives and more like, yeah, 20-way, head down, big ways, or mixed or sequential or something where I can still try and get some exposure, um, not just to the new skydives, but also to some of the organizers that gave out invites to world records. Just like, these are the people I want to learn from. I want to get invited to things they do. I'm going to go to events they're organizing at. So stock the badasses is what you're suggesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, and I mean that tr- truthfully. Yeah. Oh, man, look up. <laughs> I, I really mean do that. It is a smart place to be. And what you just mentioned is kind of weird, and I say kind of weird because boogies are not a dying thing, but skill camps are a growing thing. Yeah, absolutely. So much it's so. really th- cool. Yeah. Carolina Fest, isn't it? It's a boogie. It's yep. a dope boogie. Absolutely. But it's it's a weird boogie, and the yep. reason I say it's mm-hmm. weird because it's a boogie with a skills camp involvement. Right. And so if you're looking to become that badass skydiver boogie or skill camp which one should i be looking at man i uh i always lean towards skill camp but i also look at who's running it um just uh, different coaches and different organizers i organizers resonate with me Mm -hmm. better or worse so i would look at who's running it so when in doubt i would go to a skills camp over a boogie um but depending who the names are i might be like man whenever i'm with this guy i just absorb everything they're just vomiting information i love it so I start looking for the people who I can learn from, and I try to attend the events they have. And if I'm not sure, um, I think there are plenty of times, um, like at the time, I think Luis was organizing some boogie in Puerto Rico. And somebody mentioned, like, a Puerto Rico head down boogie. And I messaged him on Facebook. I'm like, hey, so dot, 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 dot. What's the situation? Should I be on this? Should I not? Just trying to gauge, like, honestly, honest assessment. Like, is this an effective use of my time? What are your thoughts? And that's something you can always do to them or to me or any other organizer, I think. I don't want to volunteer other people too much, but I certainly ask for insight. Like, is this worthwhile mm-hmm. doing? And a lot, of, a lot of folks gave that to me. Yeah. I don't think it's something that you can do to all organizers. No. And that's okay. Right. And as you insinuated, find the organizers that work for you. And if that's the type of interaction you want, then those are the type of organizers you... you I can't interact with that guy that way. Then that's not the type I want. Or it is, and that's okay. Um, this, the, the, you, you really kind of changed my mind a little bit through this conversation just now. Because Nick and I have recently talked a lot about the importance of skill camps, going to skill camps versus boogies. Boogies is, is not nearly as important skill camps once were, or excuse me, as, as they once were. Mm-hmm. Skill camps are where they're at now, but man, I can't necessarily make it to these skill camps, but Matt Fry, who is a guy I need to connect with, is organizing at the Cinco Boogie. Do you organize at the Cinco Boogie? I do organize. I, I thought I had yeah, that right. Absolutely. So man, I'm going to go to this boogie not because I'm excited about the boogie, but because I'm excited about fostering a relationship with an organizer who does skill camps. And it's, it's interesting because I actually gave that specific advice to a local Spaceland jumper today who was asking how he could network and get on these circles. Mm-hmm. And like, man, go to some of these boogies and skills camp aside, if 400 people are there and you walk away with 30 new Facebook friends who all fly like you from other parts of the country, 
you're now in like a more national circle of events. International, <laughs> really? Yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, if you go to Summerfest, oh. identify all these other aspiring, like, you know, intermediate head down flyers that you're flying with. And they're from New York, Florida, California, Europe, Russia, Australia, your Facebook friends. Now you see the shit they share and they're going to. Now, all of a sudden, you're inside this circle of events that's happening all over the globe. So there's, there are certain aspects in which just a boogie can be really beneficial if you're trying to get on big records or find out what's happening or find more people to hang out with and fly with and all that good jazz. Now, there are definitely some inherent dangers of a boogie. And, and I'll, the, the biggest danger of a boogie for me is I go to this boogie with the intent of meeting this really good organizer right. who's going to help me with skills, and I get carried away with a party. Yeah. So be careful. If, if your goal is to go to a boogie with the goal of learning skills and meeting skill camp people, be careful how much you involve yourself in that party. For sure have a good time. For sure enjoy the parties. But set yourself a curfew because, man, I want to be up first thing tomorrow morning to get on this jump with Matt or with Matt Curtis. <laughs> with you're welcome. That's a I'll huge compliment. It. I will take this with yeah. Stephen Sarah uh-huh. Curtis or with right. Matt Fryer, right. with Rick Nelson or Luis Pernetto yeah. or Constantine. Any of these guys, man, make sure that you're making the best use. Camps are so interesting because you see everybody shows up focused. Most yeah. everybody. Uh-huh. Boogies, it doesn't always happen that right. way. Right, yeah. Inevitably, at a boogie, I'll try and organize something more complex, and someone comes up at the six-minute call, like, can I jump with you guys? And it's just like, ah, no. <laughs> um, but you mentioned, like, be cautious at boogies. You don't drink too much. Uh, you know, I try to stay up late and socialize as well when I'm organizing. And inevitably, like, 11.30 comes up at the bonfire, and somebody who com- somebody comes up, they've been quiet all weekend, like, so you're doing a camp next month? You know, and they're like, I'll finally have a little bit of liquid courage and yeah. like, come say hey and ask what's happening and ask about invites and things like that. And that's kind of cool, too. Like, even though today was a weather day, which stinks, I think we had a lot of valuable time on the ground just to shoot the shit and ask the kind of questions you wouldn't ask unless you had two hours of nothing to do. Um, so there's a certain benefit to like, even when we're socializing, let's talk about some of these things and come say hey and. Oh, that good jazz. Yeah. So you really, I love the 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 I'm just devil's advocate. No, like. <laughs> 100%. And I love where you take this message because now this is a message also to us organizers and coaches and people running camps. Make yourself more accessible. I'm not much of a drinker. You saw my drink for a day. Like sure. I, I probably the first drink I've had in since my vacation in October. Um, I don't drink much. I don't party much. It's, it's just not my scene. When I'm traveling, and most of my traveling is for courses, is, is whether it's canopy courses, coach courses, whatever, I typically hang out later and late, partially because I don't have the exposure to these people I have. Like here, I don't stay out late because right. these people see me every day, all the time. But I, I've never thought about it in that context. People do stay up late. When they do drink, they start asking me questions they wouldn't otherwise ask me. So I really like the way you, you spin that. Um, at the same time, it's it's what you said I think was meant more for the campers than it was for the organizers. Mm-hmm. But I would like to consider that all organizers, but I, I definitely take away that message. Be accessible in those odd hours. I watch these bad weather events here in Spaceland. Uh, we used to joke around, how do you know it's going to be bad weather in Spaceland? We have an event. It was consistently true for years, partially because we didn't have as many events as we do today. Thankfully, we've had a lot of great weather. We've had a lot of great events. But when we have bad weather, organizers start disappearing very quickly. Not all. 
some. But you hung out all day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I flew here. I have no if I lived here and it's a bad weather day and I'm just weekend organizing, I would probably move on. Um, but during the day, while we're during these camps, I'm busy. I don't have a lot of time for debriefing or giving individualized feedback or any of that. Um, and especially at the end of a long day, I'm usually, I want to go get some rest and come back in eight hours and jump again. So yeah, I want to hang out and answer all these questions, make sure everyone's absorbing today. So even though we're not jumping, we're still learning and trying to improve from it. I love that, man. If, if, Find yourself as a camper, find yourself as a jumper, the organizers who work f- well for you. Some people might tell you, uh, and I'll use a perfect example because I love Constantine, but he is polarizing. Some people get along, most people get along with him, right. not everybody does. Somebody might say, yo, you don't want to organize with Constantine because he's a jerk. Try him yourself. You might love him. Right. Some people might say Matthew Fry's a jerk. Yep. I haven't met that person yet. They're out there. But, <laughs> you know, try yeah. the organize it for yourself and mm-hmm. find who works for you. Find Absolutely. the guys who stick around and cater to your style. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sorry. Um, I, it's just that jump up and down caught me out of breath. No um, <laughs> really, it's that beverage I had earlier uh-huh. that's got me with the hiccups and keeps catching me for breath. <laughs> Wait, what? tell me about this drink. You guys are both excited about this. I don't drink enough to know why it's A cool. Moscow Mule. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It just tastes good. It's ginger beer, <laughs> vodka, lime juice. That's all it is. It's very refreshing, especially on a hot, humid day. Think about it. Right. You like? You ever drink ginger ale? Yeah, yeah you I like can ginger, have a ginger ale? ale. Yeah, a nice, uh, a crisper and biteier ginger ale is what ginger beer is. Got a little bit more bite, a little bit more crisp to it. Throw a little vodka in it. Throw a little bit of lime. Tastes good. I'm still not sold. Oh man! Next time I make one, you'll have to have a sip. Deal? All right, deal. Yeah. Well, we were discussing there are gummy bears at REI that are Moscow Mule flavored, <laughs> and they're delicious. <laughs> that man. sounds like a lot of trouble for someone who's a fan of the Moscow Mule. Uh, dude, oh, it's worth it. I'm it's a fan of it. gummy bears. I'm a fan yeah. of Moscow Mules. And I'll, I'll take one quick time out. DQ, roll over, elbow Ivy, and say, Ivy, thank you so, so much. Ivy <laughs> sent me a bag of, I believe they're Albanese, if I remember the name brand correctly, uh, gummy bears, which are like some of the best gummy bears <laughs> ever made in the world. She sent those uh, to me this evening. So thank you where that conversation came from. Um, so you, you're now going to big way camps. You're now going mm-hmm. to uh, organized events. At what point do you actually first make, uh, at what point, how many camps, how many events in before you are on your first actual record of any type? Uh, I, I want to say it was between uh, Big Way Camp, World Record Tryout 2 and 3. And I, I could be off, but I think it was that year I was on a um, South Carolina head down state record, a 21-way. And I was stoked at Carolina Fest. Um, I went up to Luis like, and I had just been to two head down camps he had done. And I'm like, do, do you think I could be on that? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait, whoa, what is this confidence <laughs> coming from? And it was a super awesome record, really fun. And I was jazzed. I was so stoked. Um, to this point, I don't, I don't, I can't think of like any fully successful skydive I'd been on. It had been a lot of like, we're trying for 20, but we got 18 or something along those lines. But having an official, objectively judged like record, man, I was pumped. <clears throat> and from here, what's the next record you get on? Uh, the world record. Man, <laughs> you've, you're working hard. You're, you're yeah, pushing fast. Yeah. So uh, a couple months later, I went to the Last Chance Camp in uh, June in Chicago. Yeah. And um, I was on 42 ways. They went great. It was jumping with Rook and Mickey Nuttall and Will Pesic. 
some like incredible flyers from SDC Standard um, and learning lots. I was trying to take the challenging slots. Um, it's a last chance, man. Like, I don't know how many invites they had, maybe a handful, but it's kind of the place like you need to crush it. Um, I thought I did really well. And uh, a few weeks later, I, I emailed Rook just like pumped, like, hey, thanks for these events. Like, I am so jazzed. I got to do this and learn so much. It was an incredible experience. By the way, I'm going to be at Summerfest hanging out. I know I'm not on the bench or an invite, but if anything happens, you need another body. I'm here, man. And like, thank you so much. It was really cool. And then like three days later, he sent me an invite. And um, so I went from a 42 way to a 142 way. <laughs> nice. And uh, man, every attempt was just a roller coaster of emotions. I thought for sure I would land every single time. I'm like, and I'm going to get cut. I'm just too slow, too sloppy, too noisy, too whatever. Um, I'm going to get cut. But damn, that was awesome. And uh, just kept going through the whole journey and, until we got a record. How you're an organizer now, you're you're actually giving oh, invites to some of these events. Yep. How important is it to you that people take that approach? The approach being, hey Matt, just so you know, I'm going to be at that event you guys are at, and I'm available if you need me. If there's anything I can do to help, uh, I have mixed emotions. Like yeah. I don't want to encourage it too much because there's a little bit of pressure on me, kind of inferred pressure to put them on. Um, even if we don't have room or something like that. But at the same time, I really appreciate the team spirit. You're here to support the team, support the effort. Um, and that idea really resonates with me. Um, I remember one Colorado record attempt I was organizing and I had to cut someone. The next jump, I had a cutaway with the one rig I had at the event. He came up, he's like, here's my rig, jump it. And man, like, and he didn't leave. He didn't pout. He stayed. He's on the ground. He's cheering people on, getting them water. Like, sucks I can't be on this record, but I want you guys to get this record. And that was awesome. That team support um, actually carrying above and beyond like I did my job. And that's great. And then even after I cut him, he's still trying to help me help the team succeed. And um, that's one individual I will always bend over backwards for in any way I can. If he can come participate safely and like successfully i want him to be there um how hard is it going to be for you to remember his name though oh i want thousand knows one thousand percent know his name yeah and i'll give another example we recently had a big way belly thing going on here in houston and there were some guys who had no business being on that camp mm -hmm. so what did they do they stood there and checked in jumpers as they walked in to make sure everybody landed on i guarantee the organizers of that event know who those guys were and when they have that skill set, they'll invite them in. I'm not going to suggest somebody go to a big way camp just to check in jumpers. But if it's at your DZ, have that effect. So I want to go back to kind of the question at hand. And it's you approached Rook and said, hey, I'm available. You said you don't want to encourage it. So let me put myself in a position. I show up to a camp. I do reasonably well. I'm at a point where I'm like, man, I think I can do this. I'm not the best. I'm not on the bench, but I do have the skill set. Other people are recognizing my skill set and pointing it out to me. I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. If you're the only one recognizing your skill set, you're probably wrong. <laughs> Just saying, man. But other people are pointing it out to me. Is that the kind of person, first of all, just skill set wise that you would appreciate approaching you? Yeah, for sure. Like I'm always approachable. Please like contact me for anything. Even people here here for the camp, newer free flyers, like 
I want to help in any way I can. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're unsure, let me know. Uh, what I would discourage is just showing up and just being there like, I'm here. Look at me, you know. Um, okay. So I have a, a, a sequential event in February. And there were some jumpers at this event this weekend kind of on the fence if it's appropriate for them to be there. And so we tried having some detailed discussions. Like, I don't want to necessarily encourage or discourage, but in this instance, it's up to them to decide if they want to participate. I know with with rating courses, I I get a Mm -hmm. similar thing going on. Like, hey, DJ, I'm interested in an AFF course. I think my skill set's ready. Let me know when your next course is. First of all, there's a lot of courses. Just follow a calendar. Really, I can't tell everybody when everything (laughs) is, right? Sure. The amount of people who tell you, tell me when everything is, I'll try. Mm -hmm. But just there's calendars out there, guys. Watch it. But the thing that stands out to me quickly is the guy who says, hey, DJ, I'm ready for my AFF rating. I think my skills are there. I'm not necessarily great right now but i'm ready for the the course because the course is a camp slash evaluation let me know when you think i'm ready and you have a slot for me and that guy never says anything else to me until a little bit later and he's done another something with me hey dj i'm still looking for that that course let me know when you think i'm ready the guy who occasionally tells me that that stands out to me right you kind of tell me your take on that um So I think there's plenty of invitational events. Mm -hmm. And the nature of those is someone else saying, you're ready. So it kind of sucks when they say, you're ready, and now you're cut. And I think there's a huge gap between skills camps and invitationals. So I'm trying to have more events that are, it's open. Register. If you think you're ready, like this is what we want to do. If you think you're ready, go ahead. If you get here and you're not ready, then I might ask you to sit down. I'm sorry, but that's for the good of the team. But the person who made this decision is you. Um, I'm happy to talk about it, but I, I don't know your skydiving career. And unless this is a record attempt, um, I want to do less invitational events. Yeah. And I don't, ne- I don't want or need any names, but did you actually have to cut somebody this weekend at all? No. Okay. No, we didn't have to cut anybody yeah. this weekend. And obviously you've had to in the past for these kind of camps. Yes. And when you say, hey, man, not the right place, not the right time for you, what do you suggest they do for the rest of their weekend there? Uh, well, for, first and foremost, depending on the nature of the event, I will try and find a way we can, I'll bend over backwards. I want everyone to participate and just find a safe way they can participate. Um, and we can usually accommodate that in some capacity. Um, otherwise, I can suggest... Um, drills or try and see if there's other people around the drop zone I know they can jump with. Um, Usually it's more, not necessarily camps, but like sequential events or record attempts where I have to ask someone to sit down. And fortunately, usually these events are at large enough DZs that it's easy to say, hey man, those guys are doing this. It might be a good place for you to be right now. Right. So we've got a little bit of your journey and what you've gone through. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you mentioned, and I'm going to probably phrase this question wrong, but I think you'll get where to go with it. Okay is at the end of this camp, you're going to tell people, hey, this is what you're looking for next. This is what you should be doing next. What is that? What are they looking for next? What's the next step for somebody from today's camp? Yeah, so we, we spent a lot of today talking about upcoming events and either things I'm doing or other people are doing, what they might look like. Um, I think a lot of jumpers here enjoyed working that skill set and are ready to really uh, do more of a 40-way, like a full two-plane shot and see how it feels. Um, and then start looking for more and more of those to expose themselves to. And 
you know, one of the things you mentioned to find it is going to these. Mm-hmm. But beyond going to these, what's another way people can find and expose themselves to these camps or at least find out how to get to them? Oh, man, like just building that network, that circle of friends for sure. But you mentioned like the, the, the lone jumper who hasn't quite networked yet. One of the other reasons it's nice to find your peers is to start planning together and building pods together and flying together. So, for example, there's a group of flyers going to the next uh, phase three project 19 camp i suggested why don't some of you show up the day before warm up do these drills together as like a six or eight way so you're kind of like you're over the jet lag you're over the new drop zone issues you're just here you're warmed up and you're ready to rocket right so everybody else there is still kind of waking up oh i haven't flown first stinger in weeks you just did it yesterday um so looking for those opportunities not just at the camps, but before, after, in between camps to practice those skills. I, I, we see, always we see somebody show up or multiple people show up the day or two, three days ahead before a camp, and they always stand out to me. Uh, number one, 40 people showed up Saturday. I don't know who, or Friday, I don't know who you all are. Three of you showed up Wednesday and Thursday. I'll remember who you are. So you make a bigger impression on the locals and the organizers. It's a great way to make your face known. It's a great way to show you care and you're investing. And the thing I have noticed is almost always those people, even though I'm not involved with a camp I can watch, take the most away from those camps. Not saying they do the best because their skill sets may be in a different place, but they learn the most because you suggested they're in a now in a, in a comfortable environment. They're now taking the stress off themselves by doing that. So I love that advice. As a big way organizer and, and, and a camp organizer, what are you looking for in a camp? Oh, man, in a participant, a... let's be more specific. <laughs> um, effort is major, to me at least. Um, if you're kind of lackadaisical, don't care, like, yeah, all right, show up 20 minutes late, um, not really trying, I, I don't know, I'm not going to try for you as much as opposed to someone who's eager, enthusiastic, early, um, you know, here working not just for themselves, but for the team, uh, which, again, is what we are, a full team. Um, Like, that just really resonates with me and stands out to me. And um, I'm looking for that a lot more because then I know I kind of make a mental note and, like, this is someone I'll try harder for. So when they reach out for help on Facebook or looking for events, I'm going to be a little quicker to, to answer. Um, and try and give them some guidance if they want any. You stand out that way. I'll, I'll use Nick as a great example. Nick is a huge... Nick talks about his AFF rating now and then, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if he'll ever get his AFF rating, and honestly, I will never encourage anybody to get a rating they don't want, and I don't think I'd ever encourage Nick to get his rating. And, and the reason I say this is I watch people who want to learn and are enthusiastic to learn you won't find a better teacher than Nick. He's not necessarily the best. He's amongst the best. There's other people like him. Man, Nick, you you get so engrossed in teaching those people, but then you get to people who aren't interested, and Nick immediately cashes out. Is that a fair statement, Mr. Flott? Yeah, I like to uh, engage with people who are engaged with, with what uh, I'm trying to teach them. And even if it's not someone who's necessarily looking for, uh, for information, a lot of times, uh, like I had a an interaction with someone who made a, a simple mistake that we most of us made learning to skydive this weekend. And I saw as I started to, to converse with him, I saw his eyes light up. And he wasn't necessarily looking for the information I was giving to him. But once what I was saying to him started to make sense, I really like seeing that, that light bulb go off. And 
I've uh, just to address what you said about the AFF rating. I've I've always felt very supported in in the possibility of getting uh, an AFF rating, but I don't feel <laughs> like you or anyone else has has pressured me into doing that. No, definitely. You and Nicole Black are two of my really close friends who both expressed an interest, and I've told them both: you ever want to go to a practice jump and see where you're at, you can. I, s- I still do want to do that, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to it. I'll, I'll sidetrack the conversation for one moment, and I'll talk about Steve Boyd Sr., and one day he told me, I'll make up a name real quick, hey, yo, DJ, you need to talk Matt Fry, who works here, into getting a tandem rating. No way. Why not? Because the day you talk somebody to do something they don't want to do, they'll do it, and then three months later, you will lose them completely. I'd rather have Nick Law in his limited capacity as a videographer <laughs> doing a great job at video yeah. than losing him six months from now because we've now pissed him off. Not we've pissed him off. He's got a rating he doesn't like that pissed him off and made him quit skydiving. Mm-hmm. So if you're a DZO and you're a DZ manager out there and you're trying to talk somebody into doing something they don't want to do, it is the quickest way to lose a staff member. Nick only shoots video. Nick, would you agree you could make more money doing other ratings and adding to your diversity? Sure. I mean, I think I've focused on a different... I think I've focused on video in a way that not many people who shoot video and skydiving do. Yeah. So I feel like it's... Although it's not a skydiving rating, I feel like uh, I've built a lot of value into myself as a skydiver by focusing on the video stuff. But there are certainly days where I'm signed into regular video rotation where I would make more money if I was doing AFF or, or, or doing tandems. But yet certain. you love what you do every day. I see you do it all the time. Uh, even if you don't love it, you make the best of it. Because, yeah, I mean, you've been sick this week. You struggled at times, but you still make the best of it. So just don't push people into this. Um, we go back to that learning curve, and that, le- that, that investment process and learning is where mm-hmm. we're going. And I want to bring up debriefs. Like I, I watched yeah, my, my time and your time yesterday didn't match up a lot because I was doing my, my uh, course. Sure, sure. But I did match up enough that I noticed these same people showed up to the debriefs early, almost always. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you're that early person showing up to a debrief, how much does that stick out to you? Man, it's a mixed bag because uh-huh. it could just be someone who has a packer and is bored. Sure. As opposed to someone who is like they landed out, they're on a big canopy, they're running in, they're sweating. They're packing frantically to come dash into the debrief two minutes late, dripping in sweat, but they're there. They're busting hump. So like that still stands out too. And I and I wanted to get to that, and I'm glad you do. Yeah. Because you show up last doesn't mean it's a bad thing. As a matter of fact, the guy who shows up sweating balls last stands out probably the most. Yeah. The guy who shows up comfortably last mm-hmm. stands out poorly. Yeah. Shows up with his coffee in his hand, just chilling, like, what's up, man? Probably not a great thing. Yeah, but you know, this is a camp. You can get out of it whatever you want to get out of it. If uh, if you want to cruise in a little late and miss a few minutes of the debrief, that's up to you. It's no skid off my nose. If this was a record or a tryout um, or an event where it's time for performance, um, I, it would irritate me and resonate with me a little more. It might raise the chances of you getting cut on those. Well, if you're making the mistake and not here for us to point it out and ask you to change yeah. it, certainly, yeah. And in this kind of process, it might not change the chances of you getting cut, but it might not improve your chances of getting invited to the thing you're looking for. And that plays a big role, too. So, for example, we have a sequential world record later next year, and we're looking at a list of hundreds of names of people who have expressed interest. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talent there, but we also look at the attitudes on the ground as well like are you going to be on time are you going to be here the first day like when someone just doesn't show up the first day 
man, that frustrates me or it doesn't show up at all. It really irritates me. <laughs> is there anybody's behavior this week in the positive way who is not on a current invite to some camp, but now they're on your radar where you're like, man, that guy, that gal, they're not there yet, but they got my attention and they might be there. Did somebody perform that way? Yeah, definitely. There are a few individuals this weekend that uh, either were not on my radar for future records or they were kind of there, but just really reinforced it because I see them not only performing, but continuing to try and improve it, um, which just is really, really nice. And conversely, has there been people, and I want to stick specifically to this camp, who are the other direction that, that you've kind of been like, man, I, I, I don't know about you. Yes, yeah, for sure. And you for were sure. super like, quick to answer that one. Like, like, no, I mean, it's, it's just uh, shit carries over. You see small things. Um, and when you are trying to do like these, these stressful events where you're like, I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if it will. If I'm going to be already stressed, I'd like to be around people who are not going to exacerbate that or make it a more challenging situation. Yeah, it's so it, it it means so much, guys and gals. When you're at these camps, your behavior, and that's the point I wanted to get to. You're not just looking at skill set; you're looking at personalities. Let's put a 200 way together, and let's have a super abrasive personality in the middle of that 200 way. That's like putting a pebble in your shoe and walking a mile. That pebble ain't much, but in 200 people through a camp, it's it's gonna destroy everybody. So your attitude means tons to these. Yeah, especially for like some of the higher level invitational sequential events like Elsinore Echelon or Live Bigs. You talk to some of those organizers and you'll see everyone's very talented, but there'll be a very diverse skill set. But when they look at who's going to be here, they're like, we just want cool people to be here. Um, last weekend, we got weathered out at an invitational event in Elsinore. We're all still hanging out, shooting the shit, arguing the order of operations to watch Star Wars. Um, you know, bowling, eating What's pizza. What's the order? Oh, man. This is... This Let, let's go. All right. Rogue One, four, five, one, two, three, six, seven, eight, nine. Fuck Han. I can get behind 100% behind yeah. that. Mandalorian, I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually pretty decent. I If yeah. you haven't watched any of it yet, let it stack up. Because I watched okay. the first episode pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like... Uh, it was good, but I was like, uh, then I waited three or four episodes before I plugged back in to really invest myself, and right. it was worth it. Got it. Now I'm a couple episodes behind again, mm-hmm. but no, I, I'm completely behind. The, the, the release order is wrong. Yeah. The chronological order of one, two, three, four, five is wrong, and mm-hmm. Buck Solo is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is going to now be mad that we've had this conversation. No, I'm, I'm really trying to be patient, because I, I realize that we talk about some things on the podcast that not everybody's into. You guys are talking about Star Wars, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. So it's just not something that I'm into, but I have to realize that there are plenty of people out in the world that are like, yeah, Star Wars. That's just but it's contextual because we were talking about last weekend and we must have discussed this for three hours. It mm-hmm. was a, a big group think and argument, and, but we're friends. It wasn't like, oh, Scott Ivan's done. Well, see you tomorrow or next week. No, like we're just hanging out discussing this stuff. And it's really cool. Yeah. We have common bonds. We have things we enjoy. Right. I actually, with Disney Plus just coming out, my sister's not watched all the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can watch them all. What order do I need to watch them? And was her first <laughs> comment. So there's our test subject. Yeah. I gave her the order. <laughs> and I said, here's your two options. Uh-huh. This one's wrong. 
this one's right. Yeah. And and you and I completely agree. So cool. it, it makes it so much easier. I actually just watched Rogue One like two days ago. I go. popped it on. I just needed to watch it. Well, it's, it's a great movie. Winter is coming up. Maybe you get, one of you guys will have to leave me with that list, and I'll try and uh, absolutely try and make dude. some time. Do you have Disney Plus? Uh, Sam has it. Yeah. Sam. Okay. Cool. Yeah. She's Filipino. They have everything. I know, right? <laughs> All right, man. Technology. I mean, is their thing. I I think it's just girls her age and Disney movies. They love all of them. How old is Sam? Uh, am I supposed to tell you? Yeah. Okay, uh, 33, 32? So I want to ask that because my sister is 44. Maybe age is irrelevant when it comes to, to ladies in the Disney movies. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and Debbie just raves about the Disney movies. She loves the Disney movies. But I I mean, we can't really make fun of them, Nick, because you and I have sat here and talked tons of Disney movie, well, not tons. Enough about Aladdin and Lion King to <laughs> the new Aladdin was so good. <laughs> did you see the new Aladdin? No, I haven't, dude. Did you see the old Aladdin? Oh yeah, D- man. So one thing I hate that movies do is when they do a reboot. If they emulate the old movie exactly, you're going to fuck it up. Don't right. even try. Yeah, Aladdin stayed 100 percent true to the original movie. Okay, it's basically they, the original they did movie. have one new song, one maybe two. Yeah, but, but dude, it was pretty darn close. They crushed it. Wow, they crushed awesome. it, and I I loved Aladdin as a kid. I loved it even more as an adult. So I, I do recommend. Are you playing Aladdin on? I <laughs> most definitely am. <laughs> now he's watching Aladdin on his on the monitor. You know, I was back home last week in Utah with family. Uh-huh. My brother has a his daughter, my niece, is just about to turn three, and she's super into Aladdin right now. Yeah, and she can't say. She doesn't say Aladdin. She, she can't say Alibaba. So she says, Ali, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, and my it's God. super cute. So, yeah, man, I got my fill of Aladdin and Frozen and uh, more Baby Shark than you can shake a stick oh, at. When is, when's your niece's birthday? Uh, February. So our nieces are really close to the same age. I think it's the uh, the first or the fourth. Yeah. Right? You know who my, well, you've at least seen pictures on my niece. You yeah. Photoshopped them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she was. I put headphones on her, right? Yeah, yeah. She was three in November. I didn't realize we had nieces the same age. I'm now going to go home and ask. I'm visiting my family next in a week or so. I'll ask her if she knows about Ali Blabla. That's my goal. I want to <laughs> see the three-year-old kid say Ali Baba. Yeah. It's, it's funny. As an adult man, I think it'd be more to your Star Wars conversation than Ali Baba and the new Lion King. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Oh, yeah. He wants to be Ali Blah Blah Blah. Solid. <laughs> um, I, I completely forget where we get it. But um, Big Way Camps is where we were, we, we were talking. Right. What's next is where we were going. Elsinore, you guys were weathered out. Every yep. camp is different. Yep. We're going to get there. Why is... Oh, I was about to say, why is Aladdin on my phone right now? Because I'm streaming this oh. show right now. And my, my bad. Phone, no, it's all good. My phone's just a little bit behind. Oh, I do want to acknowledge this while I have a moment to acknowledge this and we're broke in rhythm. Has anyone acknowledged how awesome Mr. Fry's Christmas sweater is? Thank you, Jacob Henderson. That <laughs> Christmas is. sweater is dope. <laughs> it is Thanks. beautiful. Yeah, appreciate it. I actually those are reindeer drinking beer. Absolutely, that's nice. Mm-hmm. No, they're not reindeer. They're rain beer. Ah, uh, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting. Nick usually has something coming uh, back. That's okay. Yeah, uh, you. Not, I wasn't the. I don't need your approval. Oh, you wanted me to come back with. You usually one. have something better to oh. top it off with. Yeah, I'll, it'll come to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna go with oh dear, but you already used dear. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I didn't even realize I that was even said. <laughs> so we've we've kind of gone through this. What do we look for when big way participants is one of the things we were talking about? Yeah. And what should I be looking for in big way camps as a participant? That's a Ooh. broad, yeah. Man, I mean, they're they're just 
not that common. So it's kind of hard to necessarily be selective. Um, but like I think I mentioned earlier, kind of finding the organizers that really work for you. I think different organizers have different styles and different priorities. Um, I tried looking for camps that were around my skill set or what I was trying to get into. I mean, after a certain point, going to a 20-way, big-way head-down camp doesn't appeal to me as much. Now I want 40 or 60 or 80 ways. Um, <clears throat> looking for records, looking for regional records, like I don't know what the head-down record of Tennessee is, but it might be something campers could go participate in. And now you are in performance mode and being exposed to a record. And now it's an objective measurement of like we either did it or we didn't. We didn't kind of do it. We did it or we didn't. And that's really like something to practice as well. And I want to get back to the campers or the participants for one second. A lot of what we talk about is what the jumpers can do. Mm -hmm. And I want to, it doesn't matter, skills camp. And and when I think skills camp, rating courses are also skills camp. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what type of skills camp, canopy, ratings, free fly, belly. I see two types of participants overall. Somebody makes a mistake and they get called out. And when they get called out, I I rarely see an organizer not call it out in a productive way. Most organizers are very productive in their their criticism because, quite frankly, if you're not, people aren't going to come to your camp. And if people aren't going to come to your camp, people aren't going to hire you for a camp. And those participants do one of two things. One of them is give you excuses, whether they're horribly shitty excuses or let's go with this version. They're super good, reasonable, logical reasons why they made that mistake. Or they sit there and say, okay, I will do that better next time. Which uh, you immediately smile at the second one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always better. And here's the kicker. Maybe you get it with the ratings courses. With big ways, if we're debriefing 20 or 40 or, you know, 200 people, you don't have the luxury or the time to A, review each individual or contact or like speak with each individual on a one-on-one basis. So you're kind of forced to like publicly in front of everybody like, hey, improve X, Y, or Z, um, especially since if they're doing it, probably five other people are doing it. So it's not like you're trying to publicly embarrass or shame somebody, but we have 15 minutes to debrief this big way, and we're just going through this video real quick. I'm also using a wide-angle GoPro on SuperView, like 30 degrees offset. So from this perspective, it looks like you're doing this. Fix it by doing this. You, like This is how you fix it we don't really need to discuss whether that's correct or not. Like this is just how it appears. This is my suggestion to correct it. Um, Take away what you will. I love a, as the organizer, you're focusing on the correction, not the mistake. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who's a learner of any type, I always want to find the coach who focuses on the correction, not the mistake, because we don't have enough time to do both. Right. Number one. Number two, as a participant, I want to focus on the correction, not the mistake. And I want to I want your feelings on this. I regularly in different. So rating courses are typically smaller and it's easier to spend more time. Uh, Canopy courses are usually bigger and then you kind of have that group environment. So I, I deal with both. And no matter which one it is, I tell people regularly, if you tell me why you made the mistake you made, if you were right, and if everything you say is logical and sound, you're still focusing on the mistake. If you focus on the mistake, what will you repeat? The mistake. Right. If instead you forget what you did wrong and focus on how to do it right, what will you repeat? 
yeah. or more likely. Exactly. And and I, I want to ask what your take is on that, but the exactly I think is your take on that. Right. I, absolutely. I mean, telling someone like your levels can be better, um, try and speed up. It's pretty much universal. Like even if you are completely perfect and the angle's wrong, speeding up will still be beneficial no matter what you do. Thinking about your presentation to help the person behind you. Even if your presentation was fine and I just found the one frame where it looks funny, thinking about helping your presentation will still help you and the team. So I, I like to try and hone in on those aspects. Um, I also like to try and hone in on, especially with big ways, learning to debrief yourself. Like, especially as this grows from a 20-way to 40-way to 100-way to 200-way, you can't get that feedback. At this point, you're very experienced and should be able to look at video of yourself and see, man, I don't think I shaped out that pod very well. You can also talk to all the people around you, whoever's docking on you, like, hey, did I present okay? Or whoever you're docking on, was, it, was that soft enough? Was there tension? Did you feel anything? Or talking to your cross partner, like, do you have video that shows my level relative to the base? Um, finding the pod closer, watching their videos, <clears throat> taking advantage of that downtime to work with your teammates to debrief yourself um, because it's better if you catch it and fix it than the organizer, especially on a record, right? Absolutely, man. I, I love it. The, the openness that you keep talking about. If you're going to these camps, if you're going to these places, are you, it, you're, you're always paying money, whether you're only paying for your jumps or whether you're paying for airfare, hotel, your organizer's time, you're paying something. Do you really want to sit there and pay to be with Matthew Fry to talk, or do you want to pay Matthew Fry for him to talk? Why did you pay Matthew Fry to be here? <clears throat> to listen to this guy. So if you're going to these camps, listen more, talk less. What's the hardest skill in communication? Listening. Man, isn't it? And and this podcast has been so much fun for me in so many ways because, for example, I get to know you better. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed getting to know you, but our interactions have never been more than five minutes ever. Right. Yeah. And now we are at least sitting in this room for an hour and 30 minutes minimum <laughs> at this point. It's already been an hour and a half. Time on flies. Yeah. It does. And, and we get to get these interactions. But this show has forced me to be to learn to be a better listener. Hey, what are you saying? Let me invest in what I've paid you to be here for. Guys, we don't pay Matthew to be here. Sorry, there's no check. Thank you oh, for being man. here, man. We're out. That that mule was your payment, okay. brother. Man, you nurse the Worth crap, it. man. Yeah, man. I don't want to get too sloppy. Um, I do one drink is a lot for me, so I'm sloppy yeah. as heck right now. Man, uh, you're paying these guys, so listen to right. them. I, I want to go a little bit more. Or I, I think we can go forever on these big way camps. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to have you back again some other time on one sure. of your trips. So I think we'll talk more about it. So before I bail to the next conversation, which mm -hmm. is Free Fly, Free Fly Nationals, 3 way Artistic, oh, yeah, yeah. is there anything else any of you guys want to bring up about these skills camps and these big ways? Um, I was just thinking about you're, you're a person who's set a lot of records. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many world records you've set just here at Spaceland. At Spaceland? Or let's just say how many you've been six? on. Six? Oh, you've uh, been so part of... 11 total, I think, world records. Okay, cool. Oh, hold six, on, hold six on. Six at Spaceland. You've set six world records here at Spaceland? Yes. We've had six world records. I don't, I'm not super into it. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, badass. Yeah. But For that's sure. between uh, head down sequentials, head up sequentials. Yep. Uh, and that might be that yeah. might be all six, so right? So in, in 2014, we did three sequential world records here at Live Bigs. 
And uh, earlier this past May, we did three upright sequential world records. Because there was the big way, it was the 58 way, right? It was the... Uh, we did a 2.57 way. 2.57, that's right. And then a 3 and 4.33 way. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So how do you, uh, when you go about breaking a record, is that, do you go, do you, do you do any research to find records and what they are? Oh, for sure. I try to stay like fairly abreast with all the uh, vertical uh, state and world records. Because it took me a little bit of time. I, I looked on USPA's website. You brought up, you, you didn't know what the Tennessee state head down record was. Uh-huh. Pretty positive it's eight right now. Okay. So uh, Cool. So most of the people at this camp here could go break that record. Somebody organize that and you guys should go. Seriously, like that would be a dope experience. Go do a 14-way state record. I'm sure you could find Constantine and hire Constantine, I can't say his last name, yeah. to... What's his last name? Petrogic? Is that how you say it? It's pretty close. Don't, don't quote okay. me, please. I, I <laughs> Petro KY Jelly is yeah. how I want to say it. Yeah. I have no clue. Petroleum Jelly. Petroleum. Thank you. You're welcome. I Take thank that to you the bank. so much. <laughs> that is my life. So let's just say that I'm an up and coming uh, skydiver. I've been spending some time in the tunnel. Me and my buddies were getting pretty good in our heads. We're building some formations. I want to find out what our state record is, and I want to break it. What What do you think is step one in that process? Yeah. So step one, go to like USBA website. Check out the, uh, they have a competition records page. You can cruise through. It, it takes a while to like wade through all the drop down menus. But you can see what the record is. <clears throat> Odds are like there have been a lot of head down records that just never got filed because we're not always the best with paperwork. Um, so formally, there may not even be a record. So start there, see what it is. Look for local organizers who might want to put one together. Um, hell, if you're already flying eight ways anyways and there's no record con- a contact a judge which you can find on the website and just do it it's actually pretty painless um i got tired of seeing low records in states and just started like well no one else is doing it i guess hey i hit up rory here in spaceland like can you just judge this and how do i do it and worked it through there and what's the texas state record right now head 60. down so we're talking about doing i say we you guys are talking mm-hmm. about doing a texas state record correct how soon uh, we're discussing September, October. I don't want to discuss it too much because no, we're, no. Yeah, like we're, we're, we're trying to figure out logistics to see if it makes sense, if we can do it, if there's interest, if we can get the lift capacity in one place at one time. It's just a lot behind it, but yeah. that's kind of like a goal. I think it'd be really fun to do. If we don't want to jinx it, but there's yeah, a chance. Yeah. Cool, man. Super cool. Before we move on to that free fly scene, anything else big ways we want to talk about? I forgot about the Texas no, I, ho- I hope people just keep going like it's really awesome seeing like the growth and interest like project 19 has done so much cool stuff inspiring not just women but even more men to go participate and go to these camps so i really hope the interest grows and we keep doing bigger cooler big ways because it's it's kind of selfish i just want to do cool shit with cool people so i'm trying to make this self-fulfilling like <laughs> the better everyone else gets Perfect. the cooler shit we you're, can all you're trying to in. make more playmates is what you're yeah, telling me yeah yeah exactly I just immediately went to a Playboy magazine in my mind. I'm like, yes, I'm in. Dude. I would like that too. This yeah, February. Cool. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it it really is about that. And and guys and gals, if you're out there and you're not sharing the information you have, you're limiting the amount of cool people you can fly with. Yeah. I don't know many organizers or many, many trainers who don't do what we do without this motivation. I want more friends to fly with. And man. J. Russ from SDC Core is a prime example. He is probably one of the best VFS coaches and flyers in the world. And what does he do? 
he trains his competition. Mm-hmm. He was training the Golden Knights. He goes and trains other VFS teams because he wants to see the discipline grow. And it's so awesome. Like, it doesn't seem, at least when I've flown with him, he doesn't hold anything back. It's not an ace in his, in his pocket. Like, this is a super secret way we do it. No, he's like, come on, let's try and do this. And you can do it. And he wants to build and foster that competitive uh, spirit. Yeah. And it's like a great example, at least for me as an organizer and aspiring organizer. And it's just, yeah, I want that attitude. I love it. And really, Jason Russell, SDC Core, and uh, Arizona Airspeed on the belly side have both done the same thing. And what they've done is they've said, we are some of the best in the world without an arrogance. They've said it with modesty. And what their plan is like, man, we have a limitation. How far can we go? Well, we can only go so far without being pushed. So let's make sure these homies behind us have the knowledge we have. Number one, I got super cool friends. You know, I watched the meteor jump the other uh, day yeah. on video, and and Nick, you uh, you shot that video, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I shot outside video and edited the uh, the finished one. And when I watched that video, I thought this simple statement: "I have the coolest motherfucking friends ever." And that's what Jason Russell is saying. That's what Nicholas Himlin is saying when they're teaching these friends. But how does Jason Russell get better? How does Nicholas Himlin from Arizona Airspeed get better? How do you get better? How does somebody like Logan Snoddy get better? And Logan. Mm-hmm. Compared to all these names we just mentioned, super low level. He does a good job. I got a lot of respect for Logan. He's a good kid. But he's definitely not you guys yet. Yep. Yet is a key word. Um, because Logan is getting better because he's sharing with those guys underneath him. He's getting he's promoting those people underneath him because they're lifting him up. If you see those new jumpers behind you trying to do cool things, you have two options. Option number one, shit on them and tell them they're wrong and they're dangerous <laughs> and they shouldn't be doing it and hold them back. And they will remember that. Option number yeah. two, lift them up, get behind them, push them in the right direction. Yes, what they're doing is dangerous. Yes, what they're doing is stupid. So get behind them and guide them. And once you're behind them and they start becoming big badasses, ride their coattails the rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Constantine, for me, is a perfect example. Constantine, and I, I pick on him, I tease him, but I think we all agree he's polarizing. Um, more people like him than dislike him, but he's such a a, a, a big personality. Some he, people don't. He's a strong strength of character, a strong yeah. personality for sure. Yeah. yeah. And as a young jumper, a lot of people didn't like that. As a mm-hmm. young jumper, he was really pushing hard and fast, and a lot of people sure. poo pooed on him. Mm-hmm. And some of us were like, "Bro, you need to chill. You need to do this. You need to do that." And Constantine, believe it or not, people actually listens. Yep. Constantine actually takes in that advice. Mm-hmm. And now here I am today, watching Constantine do cool things, and he's super nice to me. Mm-hmm. And I've actually watched the people who Constantine who shit on him. He ain't rude to them. He ain't mean to them. But at the same time, he doesn't lift them up and promote them as well. So if you're out there and you've got this information to share like Mr. Fry does, like uh, Jay, Jay Russ does, like all these, man, share it. Because one day you're going to want those people. Somebody asked me uh, once, what's it feel like to be an old washed up has been? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm an old washed up never was. Okay. And second of all, it's super cool because I can stand here and go, I trained that guy and look what he's doing. Dude, I was const- I was one of Constantine's instructors in mm-hmm. AFF. Mm-hmm. You know how cool it is to be able to say that after watching that meteor jump? I text my AFF instructors after every world record. Dude, and as an AFF instructor, as a guy who trains people, I promise you that is super Super appreciated. Like they set me on the path. They identified that I like free flying early and helped me find mentors and some guidance. And man, like they were just really instrumental in changing my life and the direction and uh, helped me find something that I love. And uh, I'm always grateful for that. 
Yeah, it is so cool. So please share in that big way world. I want to shift gears real quick, and Matt, and not Matt, Nick. I want to ask you about a word. Do you know what a Polaris is? What's what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word Polaris? A uh, really good uh, free fly team. So most people are going to say a four wheeler. <laughs> most people are going to say uh-huh. a pull device. But and I didn't know if you knew it is a really fun free fly team. What's the word Polaris mean to you? Man, so <laughs> we talked a lot about a team name. Uh, so we were you know we were a free fly team. We were trying to think about different names and what would be like, I don't know, not too cocky, not too humble, not too anything. And Katie and I talked a lot about, you know, when you're a new free flyer, you have 100 jumps and uh, you hop on YouTube and all of a sudden you see uh, SoCal Converge, um, you know, you see uh, Oceanside Flow, you see these other free fly teams, Airwax, doing these incredible like, What? you don't even know what there aren't names for the things they're doing. And it's totally incredible and ridiculously inspiring. Like someday I want to do that. And it's really, really cool. And so we were trying to think of uh, a name that had some meaning and Polaris is like the North star and kind of the guiding light. And we wanted to hopefully be a team. Someone would watch or see and be like, man, someday I want to, do that and do cool things and of course this is a little presumptuous like we hope we don't suck and we do something kind of <laughs> cool right like uh, yeah. uh, all right we hope this is cool and um you, you know what's awesome like today for the first time a random new jumper here at spaceland i've never met her before i didn't even catch her name but she says she has 120 jumps loved our routine and can't wait to do that someday and all of a sudden i just feel like world life has come full circle and i'm still in kind of like shock and awe like oh my god i can't believe that just happened and i, I don't know i have a That's really warm cr- fuzzy feeling it, it just feels cool dude it makes me i'm sure you saw i just got the cheesiest grin on my yeah. face because to hear some 120 jump person who doesn't know you who a word super respect to this young lady to take the the balls to walk up to you and go right. like hey thank you how much did that mean to you oh my god that was the world um I feel great. Like the training feels good. And I just never really honestly thought I'd be in that position. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm still kind of reflecting, but it just, it felt really nice. And I hope she keeps jumping and I hope she's in this position in five, so in one, two years, whatever. If you're like, that young lady and you're hearing this, please let me know who you are at some point so I can know your name. And, and I actually will let you know who it was. So yeah. you can at least have a face and a name together. Yeah. I'll tie you guys together on face something, man. That's so cool. And it's really cool because Polaris to you, I, I got more out of that answer than I expected. That guiding light, your name has become that fulfilled prophecy now. Mm-hmm. Really what I wanted to know what Polaris meant to you, your answer was super better. Is <laughs> It's a free fly team, yes. right? Your answer was yeah. 10 times better. So the free fly team is you. And you said Katie. Katie Hansen is what mm-hmm. I know her as. Correct. But what's her last name now? Oh, it's uh, Lajanus. Laj- so, yeah. I'm, I'm going to bastardize it. I saw it and uh. I'm like, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so Katie Hansen is what most of us have known Katie as in yeah. the world for a while. Mm-hmm. And really, I've only, I, I met Katie the first time very briefly in Lodi. Uh, I was there doing an AFF course and then she's passed through here so very brief interactions but i knew her as a wingsuiter and then i suddenly saw that she was doing a free fly team with matt fry and i'm like Mm -hmm. okay when did you guys decide to put this team together oh gosh maybe uh may june of this past year okay um yeah we heard that uh uh, flow was retiring and we immediately like discussed like it was a world selection year flow is retiring 
And um, <clears throat> I think we were both already looking for what what competition, what competitive team are we going to form this year? And it was a cool opportunity, and we just jumped on it for sure. And, man, right now I'm looking over your shoulder. If you guys are watching this on Facebook Live, uh, one of your routines, round seven, if I can see that correctly, is mm-hmm. going on. And it was such a dope routine. Thank you. Uh, free Fly Artistic is really, I hate the statement, a, a dying part of our sport. A little bit, especially in, the, in America, yeah. at least. Yeah. And it is super cool, man. If you guys and gals haven't seen it, you can go to uh, OmniScore. Nick will share a link on our uh, Facebook feed. So if you're actually watching this on Facebook, if you're actually listening to this on the podcast, go to the Facebook feed around a minute 45 and you'll see a link to where the OmniScore uh, 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 links are, and you can see all the teams that competed and see some of these videos. They're super dope flying. Why did you guys choose three-way artistic? Uh, again, like so, it's it's uh, like we were discussing earlier. It's just something we idolized from the beginning. Um, you know, at a hundred jumps, I didn't think like I want to do VFS. MFS wasn't even a thing yet. Um, you just see these cool two-way videos that. It was only in hindsight that I realized like these were competition rounds from artistic free fly or three fly. I think some folks used to call it. Um, and truly, it's so much fun to fly. You're on every axis. Uh, you get to be creative. Uh, it's kind of subjective judging. And uh, it's really, I, I think it's hard. Mm-hmm. I, I found it challenging. And um, the fact is like having two people who were, like Katie's very experienced free flyer and having two of us both interested um, was just like, hell yeah, we're going to do it. And then Chad Ross from flow uh, agreed to shoot video for us. And Chad is a wealth of knowledge and experience and just a super dope person in general. And so, man, we were just pumped. Like really, we're really doing this. Yes. And it's every training week has been just super pumped. One of the things that you guys you mentioned is uh, one of the other reasons you chose this is that it's a it's a world selection year. Yes. What do those words mean? Yeah. So every other year is the um, the world uh, like the world skydiving championship meet, um, and that's where artistic and formation skydivers come together for a world championship. Um, last year was a selection year, so the top two American teams in free fly artistic were selected. And um, we're scheduled to go compete in Siberia in August. Man, first of all, a great opportunity to travel. Yeah. Second of all, did you ever think in your life you would uh, be able to say, I represent the United States at a world competition? Man, a year ago, I would not have <laughs> yeah. thought it for sure. It's, um, it's still surreal, and I'm so honored and excited to be on the U.S. parachute team. It, it is such a cool thing to, yeah. to see, a cool thing to do. Um, I, I say to do, I've never been there, but to be able to say like, I'm, I'm a world team member, you know, I've competed at the world level yeah. in your sport. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. I want those cheesy looking red, white, and blue track pants. Like <laughs> whatever. I don't care. I'll, I'll try and make it fashionable again. I'll roll up one leg or something, but like, I'm just excited. Maybe it's cheesy, but no, I don't like there's so many things in the sport I still haven't done. And this is brand new and I'm really nervous and really pumped and we start our training season in about three weeks. And um, man, there's just so much to do. I don't think it's cheesy at all, man. It's if somebody said, Hey DJ, you have the time, you have the energy to invest, to get on a U.S. team to, to represent at worlds, man, I think I would do it. My biggest problem is time and money. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, man. And that, that logistical component is very challenging for sure. 
But I guess I'm just trying to say I'm not quite a grizzled veteran competitor. I'm going to be like the new kid on the block in Siberia, just grinning ear to ear. Like, I'm just happy to be here. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm stoked. And how did you guys do at nationals this year for those who don't know? Uh, we, we won. We got first place. First place. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's a fair statement. And, and I mean no disrespect to these other teams because these other teams did really well. Mm-hmm. You placed first substantially. You guys really did a good job leading the way. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think second was that close. Uh, I I thought they, they were very close. I think they did. I, I was nervous through yeah. nationals. Um, yeah. You know, I thought it was a good competition. Yeah. I think they did a great job. <coughs> and, and again, I don't want to take anything away from mm-hmm. them at all. But I think it just shows how good you and Katie were flying together. Yeah. And Chad. <coughs> I actually was the video guy on a three-way free fly artistic team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, when I first got, we started as two of us trying to put a team together. We flew the two without a camera guy. And we tried out camera guys over time without telling them we were trying out camera guys. Right. Eventually, it got to the point we got our third partner. and I. And the, but the third guy's like, I really would like to join the team, but I don't want to fly camera. I want to fly slot. Yep. And I thought, I'll fly camera. Do you know why I thought I'd fly camera? Thought it would be easier? Yeah. Uh-huh. And what's the answer to that, really? Yeah. So I got some advice years ago when I first considered one of these teams. Like, the camera flyer should be the best flyer. It's incredibly challenging. Yeah. You and Katie did a great job compensating for each other. You and Katie, as we watch these routines, very rarely separate much more than you probably wanted to. It's more than you probably wanted to, but noticeable yeah. to us. Mm-hmm. And even as I watch the videos, I can see little things. And I'm, I'm just going to call them bobbles where one of you just like corrects for the other one yep. you guys do such a great job compensating for each other you guys can give a rat's ass about chad <laughs> chad we love you we respect you i know but it's there's a truth to that in flying isn't there yeah but uh, actually i mean if you can't tell that's even better chad compensates for us for so much um even if we like over rotate it or burble hop like you can't tell but there's several scenes where it's boring as hell we're wonky and screwing it but Chad will do a layout under us and change the perspective. So it gives us illusion of motion and making things look better. Um, Chad is flying his ass off through everything. Like it is truly impressive. I would love to see outside, outside video of the contortions Chad is doing to film us. I could only imagine because Chad is a thousand times a flyer I am. And I know the contortions I had to make to stay with mm-hmm. my group and to be like, oh my God, you guys come back. I'm trying to stay with you. Stop. <laughs> it is such a, a hard place to be. If somebody wanted to get into this world of three-way artistic, how would you recommend a new flyer break into that one? Yeah, so like when in doubt, if you don't know what to do, read the SEM, the Skydiver Competition Manual. It's just filled with information. I know not all of us really want to read on our time off, but it has some good information on the sport. Talk to competitors, talk to mentors. I'll talk a lot to Mike Bone or Andy Macchiati and just occasionally pick their brains about things. Chad has five years of comp- competitive experience in this discipline. We'll pick his brain. Um, ask a judge. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually really interested in getting my artistic judge rating just because I want to know more how this works. Um, just ask people. Or if you don't know who to ask, ask the people you do know who to ask. I love the fact that you bring out that judges rating because I hear this regularly from FS competitors, but I don't hear it enough from competitors in general. You see, you think it's helpful to be a judge to understand what you're doing. I think that's important in FS in a very objective based study, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to a sub or or, or scored thing, but when it comes to a very uh, subjective scored thing, which is what free fly is like, you don't know what the judges are thinking 
and every judge thinks differently. But I really think getting in the judging world and the artistic events makes a much bigger difference. Man, than I am dying to know because even before I competed in this discipline, I've heard from other competitors like, why do the judges rate it this way? Why do they think the difficulty is this way? Um, a lot of the judges don't necessarily fly these formations or these are new maneuvers. So they may not have firsthand experience on how difficult it is. Um, so just getting a gauge of like how they look at it would be really nice. Um, I know there are small things that are important, like you may not realize it, we're judged on keeping the horizon level and sky side, sky side up, ground side, ground side up. That's very hard as videos doing layouts and flips and cartwheels around us trying to maintain that. But it's one of those things you have to start learning the hard way and wouldn't necessarily be you know, communicated in a competitor's briefing. You kind of have to learn like through the grapevine or people with experience. I think a great example of that problem is a shot of you and Katie face to face. At the angle you guys are at, you're moving. Yes. You're moving hard. Yes. And during this, Chad needs to fly with you guys. Yep. But keep everything level. Exactly. Man, talk about a contorted, twisted body position. He had to have a broken neck after that yeah. jump. Yeah. He had to come down like, ah, this hurts. Mm-hmm. Man, freeway, a uh, freeway, uh, uh, three-way artistic. Yeah, yeah. It, it is so much fun. It really, it was one of my favorite sports. Uh, for me, the best way, and really, I didn't want to do three-way free fly. A buddy of mine, Heath Richardson, was on a three-way free fly mm-hmm. team, and he encouraged me and my homies who wanted to become better free flyers. You want to be better free flyers? Do a three-way team. Not to compete, but if you jump with the same guys over and over again with the same goals over and over again. Yeah, build that crew, whatever your level is and whatever your discipline is. Having that crew of people you consistently fly with and grow with will just uh, really that synergy will accelerate your your learning curve. Same deal with aspiring big wave flyers. Have that crew you're always in a pod together with. Rotating slots or whatever, but you know what? These are my homies. I know what, how they fly. I know what they'll do. I can trust them, et cetera, et cetera. And I think whatever your discipline or goals are, having that support structure and, and folks who are will push you, surpass you, fall behind you, will just really help. So what's next for Mr. Matthew Fry? Oh, man. So we have a uh, team training which will get started, and then the season's just going to be very filled with that. Uh, other than that, working on the next sequential world record, vertical sequential world record, uh, which is scheduled for June up at Skydive Chicago. So a lot of uh, time and planning is going into that. Let me get a little more detail, because I, yeah. I uh, first of all, team training, where are you and Katie training out of? Uh, Skydive Paris. Okay, mm-hmm. great place to be at. Is that yeah. where she's based out of nowadays? Uh, right now she's in Denver, Boulder, okay. actually. So you guys are just traveling Uh, to good weather. Chad lives in Paris. It's more consistent, uh, predictable weather, and uh, it just works out really well. It's a great DZ. It's Mm -hmm. a great place to be around. Uh, Nick, uh, actually, I want to talk to you at some point, and we'll just spill the beans real quick. Uh, We're doing a Deland Roadshow in February. We're going to Deland to talk. Like, I can't get Bill Booth to come travel to my house and do this Uh show. Yeah, yeah. I can't get John LeBlanc, but they have agreed to do it somewhere else. Worth it. I also want to do a a trip to Paris one day because to get people like Dan BC. Oh, my gosh. To get people like Chad Ross. Yeah. That Uh would be so super cool, man. Now, the other thing you mentioned was the, the, the big way sequential. Mm-hmm. What, what exactly are you talking about? Yeah, so, for example, in this instance, our goal is to do a 2.80 way. Um, man, if we can do a 200 way-ish, why can't we do multi-point big ways, like somewhere in the middle? Like, we all like to go out for fun on the weekends and do like a multi-point six-way, eight-way. Um, but I think belly flyers, what they do is about 15 years ahead of what we're doing vertically. Um, they're doing these 
dope ass like 3.200 ways. They're doing full break sequentials. They're doing single point formations, but all these bizarre shapes and phoenixes and flags. And it's really cool. So I'd like to see us start doing that. Building a large 80 person formation with such speed, precision, and accuracy that we're bored and we can now do a second point and see what kind of funky shapes we can make in the sky. One of my favorite things I've seen in Big Way Belly mm-hmm. is uh, the full break is, is, is something really going big right now. Yeah. But the other thing I've seen is the full outward facing formations. Uh huh. I think those are more challenging free flown. Absolutely. It, do you know if there's a goal of outward facing Big Way stuff? So not necessarily all outward facing. But for example, we have a uh, sequential challenge we're doing in February where the first day as a warm up day. We're just doing a single point formation, but none of the same base pods, stuff like that. Like, can we do bipoles, like 20-way bipoles? What's a bipole? Uh, So, for example, in belly flying and also with head down flying, you have a round where two flyers are out facing and two are in facing. Okay. Yep. Um, It's really difficult head down because you have lots of leg traffic. Mm -hmm. It's even more difficult just to hold it. So now, can instead of a four-way, can we do that with 16 or 20 or... I expect massive explosions, but let's go try it. And with a head down bipole, everybody's hand docked. Yes. Because with a yep. belly, it's super easy. You and I are facing yeah. each other and holding on to Nick and Bree's legs. Right. Did I say that right, Bree? Sweet, just mm-hmm. making sure. Um, and then if we are head down, now I've got to face outward, yeah. hold my arms back far enough. Yep. And now if you stress this formation, that tor- that tra- yeah. strain on my shoulders has got to be crazy. Yeah. So in a, in a nutshell, I look at all our big way head down records mm-hmm. and like the 138 way looks the same as the 164 way which looks the, pretty similar to the 200 way like they're different but conceptually they're just the same <clears throat> i would like to see us start to mimic what the belly flyers do and doing these cool looking geometric shapes or flows or dives but in big ways like we have the talent let's just go make it happen and I don't know, see what kind of cool stuff we can do with our friends. I think it's definitely out there. I think keeping the similar format of the formation the same is very important <coughs> early on in right. progression and evolution. Mm-hmm. And this is so easy to sit here and say because I'm not on these formations. But I think you're right. We've gotten big enough that now it's time to look at complexity because for those of you who are doing it, at some point you can only get so big. You can continue to get big, but that exponential growth is no longer happening. Early on it was. When exponential growth stops, some people are going to get bored and stop. Yep. So let's keep everybody excited by building some of these crazy designs. Let's get weird, as you said. Right. Absolutely. And again, it's kind of um, a selfish component as well because the 200 way didn't work. And uh, big way season <coughs> seems to come and go. Mm-hmm. This is a way to keep doing big ways in the meantime, staying current and being ready for the next 200 way. Uh, we need to wrap up. At some point, we're going to turn into pumpkins. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but one of the things we, we've mentioned a few times tonight is a lot of people don't know when or how to get to these next camps and these next events. So if you're listening to this show and you're probably curious, like, man, I don't know when and how to get to these. Let's feed them a couple ideas. What are some big way skill camps coming up? What are some free, uh, free fight skill camps coming up that you can suggest that people might want to attend? No invites needed. Yeah, yeah. So for the head down, um, Project 19 has events happening everywhere there is a i would double check to make sure men are invited but i believe so far they have been there's a phase three project 19 skills camp in january there's a phase in eloy 
I think there's a phase three Project 19 skills camp in Eloy in March. Um, Katie Hansen and I are having a head down big way skills camp February 29 and March 1 in Paris. Um, <clears throat> and then we're discussing trying to announce more camps here at Spaceland and more camps at Skydive Paris. And then I would, if schedule follows, I, Rook has not announced anything that I know of, but 2021 would normally be a world record year. And usually about a year before that, they would start announcing camps. So I would follow the Skydive Chicago webpage. And usually around June, July, they'll start updating any world record plans. And when they announce that record, they dump here are the camps and the dates and the places. I would not only follow Skydive Chicago's page. That is absolutely a great resource. Mm -hmm. I would also suggest following Matthew Fry's page. Uh, if you do listen to the show, you know in the notes his Facebook page will be linked here. Do you have an Instagram? I do. It'll be linked in the show notes as well because I have noticed you also, as soon as a camp comes up, you announce it. You're, you're very enthusiastic in your announcements, and I mean that in, a, in the great way. Like, hey, super excited to announce Constantine and I are going to be doing this multi-plane hit you know, blah, blah, blah shot. Yep. And I actually think you were the first reason I knew of the camp here. Mm -hmm. um, partially because of our conversation, but partially because I saw that post on Facebook. Um, you're not even local, and I saw it from you first. <laughs> so follow these guys. Check it out. It's a super easy way to know what's going on. Uh, follow Constantine, man. That yeah, dude screams absolutely. on the internet. Oh, yeah. So check it out. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up this evening? Ah, solid. Thanks for having me. Dude, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, we like to give a little bit of time between visits. You come here way more often, but definitely let's sit down and do this again. Sounds great. Mr. P, do you got anything going on? Man, I uh, just want to say thanks for being here. It's been super cool having you. I feel like we could talk for quite a bit uh, longer, so that just means that we have to have you back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. There are definitely guests that it's pulling teeth, and I enjoy having them. There's mm -hmm. guests that, man, we were just at the two-hour mark, and it flew right by. Yeah. So really enjoy having you here. Uh, guys, gals, this next week, I'm not 100% sure what's going on with the holidays. We've had a super tricky schedule. We are going to try to have a Wednesday or Thursday show. The week after that, we are out of town. We'll come back to a beginning of the year show with just the boys. We'll see what's going on. No promises, no guarantees. Until then, white boy, play that funky music. <laughs> this has been Gravity Lab Radio. Matthew Fry, thank you so much for being here. Bree, thank you for putting up with all our shenanigans. <laughs> Till then, Mr. P, he's out of here. DJ Marvin, Blue Skies, we are out. Thanks, y'all.